Hey guys, welcome to Bang Broadcast, episode number 508. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out January 18th, 2023. And we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And like John said, we're now in 2023. So as we always do when we start the new year, it's time for us to take a look back at the fall of 2022 with our annual look back. 2022. So 2022. I'm always amazed by how very little I do within a year. It's probably because I drink too much and it stops me from doing other things. Uh, and that, But that won't stop me from just keep on drinking more in 2023. I'm not going to change things. No. I'm just going to embrace I, what I already do. You're already an adult. That? It's too late to change. <laughs> yep. Uh, and this week, John and I were drinking two of the same beers. And we're starting off with the Southern Tears Specialty French Toast Imperial Ale. This is like an Imperial Blonde Ale from what John told me when he went and got it. Uh, it's 8.6%. And this is a cellar you could put it in the cellar. They say, hey, just make sure you drink it within a year. Um, John, what are you thinking, bud? Uh I think it's very smooth, very easy drinking for 8.6. I think the flavors of the French toast are there, but they're not as bold as you'd want them to be. No, you really? you disagree, Paul? I I think I feel like I'm drinking like straight maple syrup right now. I'm like that's all I'm getting is like I, maple syrup and then a the little bit of the French toast esqueness at the back end. So I had asked Paul at the beginning how carbonated his was. Mm -hmm. And Paul was like, oh, mine's pretty carbonated. Mine's kind of flat. I have a little bit of bubble in it. Like I poured it in my glass. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if maybe there was something wrong with the beer or. I mean, I can't. I mean, is this it, the episode I, where we realized that John has COVID again? <laughs> or maybe just, you know, bad bottle. Like it, it's happened to yeah, us multiple think, times with other stuff. I think so, because the, the tastes are there, but it's very muted. And I haven't had COVID, Paul. Thank you. Oh, OK, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to put that on you. Maybe this yeah. is the episode where John finds out he's got COVID. <laughs> Let me go get this. This is like a big punch of maple syrup, man. This is like, <clears throat> yeah. Insane. With this thing being so this... without any carbonation, I think I just got a bad bottle. Oh. Well, you got three more shots at it. No, I just brought this home in a craft room. Okay. Well, I got. Well, three if more I shots am at ever it. able to get this down here, I will let. I'll you do it know. again. I'll be, I'll be the tiebreaker. Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I was looking for the beers that you guys are having. Unfortunately, my beer store did not have them. So I called an Audible and I did something else instead uh, because my beer store actually had a sampler pack from Heavy Seas Brewing uh, out of Baltimore, Maryland. 
And I know I've liked Heavy Seas before, but I cannot remember the last time I actually had something from them. Uh, I could have done the legwork and researched it, but I did not. Um, so I'm just going to kick it off with this one, because uh, this is their Winter Storm Category 5 Ale. And this is an Imperial ESB at 7.5%. And right off the bat, like when you take your first sip, it's a very nice caramel like richness to it. And then it fades into that like bitter like tannin. Uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, Paul likes that kind of, like, iced tea-ness yeah. to it. Um, this is fantastic. There's four beers in this 12-pack, three of each. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying more of them, and if not, I don't like them, I'm glad I've got two more of these. Like, this is a wonderful little uh, ESB here. Man, an ESB, that's a, that's a style I haven't seen in a long time, very long time. Yeah, I uh, I went out to dinner with friends. Uh, uh, Paul was there and some of our other friends. And after dinner, I went out with super friend of the show, Ed. And we went to One-Eyed Cats. And the two of us drank uh, an English mild uh, at One-Eyed Cats oh and both really enjoyed it. Uh, and then we had their cream ale, which is a really nice dry hopped cream ale. And the next day... Ed messaged me and said, thank you for taking me there. That's probably my new favorite place in Buffalo. Hmm. Oh, nice. So somewhere that I'm going to have to go when I come up then. My mom likes to go there, too. She went there maybe last month with my uncle and his wife, and she enjoyed it. So, Yeah, they got good barbecue time, too. Ooh, I do enjoy barbecue time. Okay, well, that's that's probably a good better call then, because I went to Beltline, and I met Ed there. We got a quick beer before going over to the dinner and i saw they have full menu now they got like and i heard their wings are decent but their burgers are really good so and also they got a chicago hot dog I have, which I one's the chicago one is it's the one with the celery salt and the tomato and it's like on a seated uh bun i'm okay with it's a like seated a, bowl but yeah i don't know about like seeds right and peppers yeah, and stuff. i think so Oh, Maybe they're black sesame. I'm, I haven't had one yet. Guys, are we a dogs. comic book podcast or a hot dog? I had hot dogs podcast? last night for dinner. They're delicious. I guess oh, we're goodness. a comic book podcast. Uh, yeah. Are we going to talk about any comic books in the news or just movie trailers? Just movie trailers. But some of these movies might be based off of comic books. Uh, two of them aren't, though. So, okay. Paul, which one of these trailers is the one that you're most excited to talk about? Because I think of these, there's definitely one that you're like, no, this isn't a movie for me. So well, John and I will talk about that one. I am now more excited to see, to see Ant-Man Quantumania than I was before. Because I love this idea uh, in the newest trailer. They're really like gearing you up to believe that, hey, Ant-Man's going to try... And work with Kang in order so he can, like, reclaim that lost time he had with his daughter. Because that's that's the most heartbreaking thing for him. Like, he had a great relationship with his kid. His kid loved him, and he loved hanging out with her. And he built a freaking maze in his house and learned close-up magic to entertain her. And just, like, uh, and now, you know, he would do anything for her. So... It's just that that character that not a character flaw, but that uh, 
that characteristic of him being turned into a character flaw. Like it's the, 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 the opposite side of that coin. Like, Hey, he'd do anything for his daughter. And now we see on the other side of that coin to see he would do anything for his daughter, even working with a guy that everybody's like, you can't trust this guy. Uh, look at him. He, he looks bad. This is also like what I thought was kind of interesting is this is also like where the start of a, a villain starts do anything to save my daughter turn to a life of crime like uh clint marco from sandman like ah, i was just pulling the crimes because i needed to pay for my daughter's surgery but now i've become a supervillain. like it's kind of that thing like i made a deal with the devil to have time back with my daughter but now i'm on a road that i don't want to and i gotta fight to get off of it. and it, and it hey. looks like he's gonna fight it's gonna yeah. fight gonna fight uh i'm interested that they didn't just call it like the rise of kang because that's like the beginning of the trailer is just like rise of kang uh but you get to see modok which everybody's excited for Mm -hmm. because he's everybody's favorite villain that looked more like a parademon thing with weird glowing, just like a weird block with weird glowing eyes. And I'm like, well, that's like his, that his helmet because you see him in the background of one of the other shots where they're like walking and it's like just giant Corey stole face. So he yeah. does have like the actual face too. So I think that's like battle armor Modoc because you got, you got to sell both those action figures. Like uh, this, this looks intense. Uh, Peyton Reed was talking about how, He's always had fun working on Ant-Man, and they've always been kind of that breath of fresh air after the big event movies in the MCU. But now he gets to actually be the movie that starts up the big event. So he's getting to play in a different sandbox than he normally does. And this is intense. Like, there's all of that lighthearted, fun jokiness that you usually get out of the Ant-Man, like the heist movie stuff, does not seem to be in this one. And there's still going to be some jokes, like... I don't doubt that yeah. there will be, but yeah, it's uh, this one looks dark. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, and talking about good-looking trailers, uh, I mean, I I know Paul. I, 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 I didn't know where you were going because the, I think let's both talk about that, let's talk let's talk about that Evil Dead that Evil Dead tri- trailer. Yeah, Evil Dead Rise. Uh, uh, this movie's been pushed back almost a year, uh, finally coming out this April, and I'm I'm here for it. As soon as I saw that, the because Bruce Campbell did like a little mini teaser the day before, saying like, "Hey, I'm not in this one, but I am an executive producer." Evil Dead fans, you're you're gonna love it. Like, get ready for tomorrow. And I was eagerly awaiting that trailer, and I was not let down by it at all. Yeah, uh, Evil Dead in a apartment complex. Okay, let's go. Um, yeah, it looks really good. It looks like it's the a mom getting possessed, and then the babysitter or the friend or the sister trying to protect the kids from the possessed mother. Uh, looks great. Looks creepy. Looks chilling. 
Uh, I'm down. I'm ready. Uh, it looked like a greatest hits of horror movies. It had, you know, oh, I'm I'm doing a completely normal thing in a very weird and creepy way. I'm making breakfast and cracking the eggs and, you know, and just like getting everything wrong. Now I'm walking backwards like I'm the character from The Exorcist, like on my back. Then a very sharp needle comes very close to the eye. I'm like. Okay. Like, I don't know. I felt like. The trailer was like showing me a bunch of like horror movie things from horror, other horror movies that I've seen before. And I'm like, okay, but what. What is Evil Dead about this, though? The mom's dead. <laughs> possessed dead by a deadite. Deadites. Deadites. <laughs> okay. Duh. There's, a, there's a chainsaw at it. Uh, what more do you need? Um, I again, Paul. I didn't think this was one that you're going to be excited about or looking yeah. forward to at all. Um, but you know, it's it's not a Paul type movie. This is definitely something that John and I would have gone to see in the like midnight together. showing, like as soon as it came out. Uh, and we would have done the prep work watching all the other Evil Dead or like Army of Darkness movies and lead up to it. Uh, something I think is really kind of fun is, yes, this is like a a requel <laughs> for Evil Dead because we've had the original trilogy. We had the Evil Dead like remake back in whatever it was like 2010 or something. Um, the director, uh, Lee Cronin, actually came out and said like, yes, this is a a new updated take on it. But he's saying it's still taking place in the Evil Dead universe. And he's hearkening back to Army of Darkness. When Ash has to go get the Necronomicon from the cemetery, you see three copies of the book there. And his, like, fan, like, now I'm a creator theory is, well, there's the actual Necronomicon in there that, you know, Ash has to get. But then there's the second one. That's where we had the remake from. And now he has the third Necronomicon that was in the cemetery. And this is Evil Dead Rise. So I was like, oh, that's that's cool. That's like, lend credence to it by just like by yeah. like your own little like bullshit. Like, hey, you know what? You made the movie. You can say whatever you want. And it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I dug that a lot. Yeah, that's good. But ultimately, what the best movie of these three is going to be is Renfield. Uh, Starring Nicolas Cage as Dracula, Nicolas Holt, who you may know as Beast from the X-Men prequels. It feels weird to call them that uh, because they kind of became like the mainline X movies in more recent years. Uh, He played Beast. Uh, But yeah, it's kind of horror comedy about... Nicholas Cage Dracula and just him being a terrible boss to Renfield who's trying to, you know, break out on his own. Who uh gets some accolades accolades for being um get, using some of like the bugs that Dracula has given him to give him powers to probably bring people back to him, but he uses it to stop a crime. So then he's like, hey, maybe I don't need Dracula. Um, but the answer is he is, he does. And Nick, like, uh, and Nicholas Holt has, he's done a lot of really good stuff. Um, he was in that, that Hulu show about, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of her name. Um, the Russian, um, she's the woman who, the queen who brought all the, uh, oh, the great. education, the great, 
and he is amazing. Uh, he's amazing playing the biggest idiot buffoon asshole in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just watched him in the the menu, uh, which he's he's really good in that too. And he plays a dick in that too. Like, is he the dick that ha- hires uh, Anna Taylor Joy to be to be his escort yes. to the thing? So he's like the main. Well, she's the main character, but he's the he's the he's, crux in which she's gotten there. But he his part is really small. Oh, okay, I would think he was he would get to the end with her and then. No. So you don't get to see s'more of him? No, you don't. I just I just sat down from getting my, my uh next beer and I know Paul made a terrible pun just based off of uh whatever movie we're talking about. Yeah. I uh, haven't the seen menu. the menu, but I've heard reviews. Oh that looks that looks fantastic too. I think that's available on like uh something. It's HBO on, Max. It's on HBO Max. Okay. It's definitely it worth it's definitely worth a watch. Like Chris, I think you would enjoy it. Um, but Paul, I think you would get a little bit bored with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Hmm. I might tie into that uh, with something that we'll be talking about later on in the show. Cause I'm going to spring something on you guys. That we didn't previously discuss cause keeping it fresh, keep it alive. Bringing things. Always the best. Yeah. Um, Three movies I'm really looking forward to, but we're not going to talk about movies that we're looking forward to yet. That's next week's show, guys. Mm-hmm. One of these movies will be on that list, so I'll maybe talk about it. Anyways, uh, do you have another beer you guys are ready to rip into yet, or you need a little bit more time? I'm not ready, but John, if you're ready, you can you can go ahead. Well, Paul, if we are reviewing the same beer together... Yeah, but I should... could review it afterwards. I, I, I want to have the conversation... How... I want to have the conversation with you about it. So I can wait. Okay. Chris, if you want to do your beer, we can do it the next segment. That's yeah. fine by me. Because my next one from the Heavy Seas Frozen Seas Sampler Pack is their Glacial Drift. And this is a spiced winter ale, uh, 8% ABV. Now, this is a brown ale brewed with ginger, molasses, and winter spices. So this is hitting on a lot of notes that, like, that southern tier, like, 2Xmas is going to hit on. But... That bit of molasses in it gives it just like a really nice rounded sweetness that I don't think you get from a lot of other like spiced Christmas ales like the Two Xmas or the Great Lakes Christmas Ale, which are fantastic holiday beers. But those lean a little bit more into the spices. This just like that wonderful like molasses. Like I feel like it's just coated my tongue and then you get that like cinnamon and like allspice nutmeg on the back there. Like this is this is delightful. Uh, if this is something that was available just as like a like a single or like a four pack, six pack, I think this would be like a hey, you're going to a Christmas party, bring bring a pack of these and pass them out to people and be like, hey, here's your new favorite Christmas beer. Like this is this is this has got legs, guys. Uh, one of the people I work with, they do a Christmas beer exchange where you. Everybody brings like a six pack or, you know, of a certain Christmas beer and then they switch them kind of like a cookie exchange. But, you know, much, much cooler. Uh, Some of my friends that I work at Sprint with, Keith and Jesse, they do that every year. Um, 
So they both use Untapped as well. So I can tell when they're doing it because they always like tag all of their beers that they had as part of their like uh, their beer share event, which I think is cool because they do it like an advent calendar too. So each day, like everybody drinks one of the beers that everybody kind of uh, brought to the event. It's very fun. Yeah, if you buy like four six packs, you got twenty four right there. Yeah. I think I that's math. I don't I don't know. Yeah, okay. You know what we do know? Comic books. Comic books are coming out this week. Right, John? What day? Uh that would be the eighteenth of January twenty twenty three. And Paul, what <laughs> book are you looking forward to? Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to Archie versus the world. That's right. It's another one of these crazy Archie books that I always bring to the table. Uh, sometimes they're hits. Sometimes they're misses. I feel like I've gotten two bad misses the last last two times uh, with the best Archie comic ever. I wasn't a big fan of the Salem or uh, Salem one shot either. In your defense, though, you never know what you're going to get, because sometimes it could be something that's really good, like Afterlife with Archie or like the Jughead the hunger, which was still a lot of fun, and also uh, Vampironica. Vampironica was great. Those yeah. those three have those hits have been so good that I'm willing to trudge through the misses. Uh, and, and I didn't think one, Salem was that bad. It wasn't like it. it I it thought it was going to be more of an anthology. Yeah, yeah, and it was just that one story, and the there wasn't much it to was, it, and I was. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it, I didn't think it was bad. I wouldn't put it in the same. I wouldn't put it in the same uh, area as tier? that Archie Echelon? book. Tier, yeah, tier. That, that that's the word I was looking for. Okay. I was not sure. Uh, but John, I think you'd be more excited about this because this is Archie versus the world, which is basically equal parts Max Fury Road and some sort of. Kung Fu ninja stuff. Kung Fu anime kind of thing. So, but yeah. it's it's Archie in his uh, souped up jalopy hidden in mm. the post-apocalyptic future. Did you say uh, puss? Huh? Did I? <laughs> What'd you say? Hidden, hidden the post-apocalyptic future. Post-apocalyptic uh, future. I don't... I, He's pushing the pedal to the I, metal. Listen, I I heard puss in there. I don't. I, I, <laughs> so I was Chris, Chris. What did you hear? I I didn't hear that, but I heard you ask, and that's why I was like, I think I have to write that down as a title because I've been so bad about <laughs> catching stuff as we're saying it. But that one I couldn't miss because I was just thinking like we're gonna see pops in this, and pops is gonna be like desert outpost saloon type place right uh-huh. like that's... oh yeah. yeah okay and you're gonna see uh betty as like a mechanic and i'm guessing veronica is a like a warlord kind is of like a furiosa type yeah. maybe yeah, maybe yeah you know, i'm just going off the. whatever they're both furiosa types but they're missing like different arms Ooh. maybe know. You didn't have to go ooh on that. I know that was terrible. Left, left arm, right arm. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't know. Uh, one of the reviewers on League of Comic Book Geeks says that that's uh, it looks like a fever dream. <laughs> and it does. That's true. But I mean, a lot of like these Archie spinoffs do. And I think the fact that we keep picking them up is due to the fact that when they did do that uh, Mark Wade led relaunch back in 2015, 2016, whenever it was, because it was mm-hmm. like right after I moved down to Florida, like that's when that came out. Um, we, we enjoyed it so much that we keep going back to Archie, now, which is, which is saying something like it. Cause it's something that it's, you know, like a, I don't want to say a joke, but it's kind of like a, yeah, it's bad enough you're a comic book nerd, but it's like Archie comics. Like, it's mm-hmm. lower tier almost. But these yeah. these have always been fantastic. Like, this is such a step up over that, like, $1.99 digest that you used to just get in, like, the, the Your supermarket. Your grandma picked up because she knows you like comic books? Yeah, like, it's this is beyond that. And so if you're thinking, like, these guys talk about Archie a lot, well, it's because these are done with love and care and, like, a weird throwback nostalgia. John, what you got? Uh, I am looking forward to Nightwalkers, number one. Uh, This follows a character who is an addict uh, recovering in a rehabilitation center, uh, secluded in the mountains, completely uh, isolated from the outside world. And there and the other her and the other patients uh, find themselves locked inside, abandoned by the center's staff, and they decide whether to wait or break out. But the decision is made for them when a bloodthirsty monster monster enters the center and begins to tear through them to uh, I'm having a, a speech impediment here to ah, I can't get I, I can't get this word. Uh, sate. There we go. It's bloodlust. Today. I don't really. Satiate? Like sate. Satiate. Sate. Like you. Oh, I, I had my fail. I'm sated. Yeah, hmm. uh, uh, it's Bloodlust, uh, written by Colin Bunn, one of my guys, uh, one of my favorites. I say this because off show three weeks ago, uh, what are you guys? Chris, Chris and uh, uh, Paul decided that uh, uh, who's the artist again um, from Batman? Uh, Greg Capullo. Uh, Greg Capullo is one of my guys, which I don't think I've bought anything other than his Batman run. <laughs> nice. uh, but Colin Bunn would be one of my guys. Uh, art by Colin Johnson, who I'm not sure of. I want to guys. Kenneth Rockerford, though. Kenneth Rockerford. Oh, Kenneth Rockerford would be one of my boys. One of your guys. Fraser Irving. Yeah. He's one of your. He's one of your guys. Do you love Fraser Irving? Oh, okay, put that in the idea hopper. Who are your guys? Ooh, Pick there your you guys. Go. Draft your guys. Um, uh, John, did you watch the Netflix show Midnight Mass, the Mike Flanagan? <laughs> okay. I, because just you like talking about this, like the guy dealing with addiction it, and like turns out like vampires. I was like, oh, like let me bring up this show from like three years ago that I haven't really had a chance to talk about because I came into it late. Say I was late to the party on it. That's a hint yeah. for what I'm going to bring to the table later. Late to the party. Um, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed that. And I don't know, this thing, this sounds uh, promising. Yeah, it does. Maybe we'll read it for the podcast. Maybe we won't. Chris, are you buying a book 
uh, next week? I am. And there's a few books coming out that I will be picking up, but nothing that I really wanted to talk about. So I kind of just wanted to keep the conversation going on Batman Superman World's Finest because number 11 is coming out, uh, written by Mark Waite, art by Dan Mora. Um, This is the continued story of Superman's failed sidekick, uh, Thunderboy and or sorry, Boy Thunder. and how he's actually a character we already know in the DC universe. And you're kind of seeing his tragic failed upbringing. And a lot of people are thinking this is actually Magog's origin story that we're seeing. Mm. Um, the solicitation for this one says, like, uh, the secret identity of this uber-powerful last son that someone DC fans have known for decades is at last revealed. Uh, Mark Wade also wrote Kingdom Come. We've I had say. we've had Magog and like Gog come back in like the early 2000s in the DC universe. Just as kind of like that throwback, like hey, people really enjoyed Kingdom Come. How can we start bringing that into like our current at that time continuity? Uh, for some resonance, but I think this might be the way to do it. And if it turns out it's not Magog, that's fine. It could be something else. And I'm still going to enjoy this story and this series just as much. But if that is what Mark Wade has been implanting, and it it does kind of seem like it where he's just kind of like being pushed to his limits and like, well, what do you mean? Like, you're not going after this guy. Like, we're heroes. Like, vengeance. This is what we should be doing. It makes a lot more sense when you look at just that that snap happening, you know, 30, 40 years in the future now for Kingdom Come. Yeah. That's exciting. That is actually pretty cool and exciting. I didn't, I didn't think about the Magog tie-in. So I didn't. Not since, like, we talked about, like, in the first, in the, the maybe the second issue, where they, it's the issue where they're going to hell, and you see, like, before you know it's the demon guy, there's a guy with the horns, the shadow you see on the building next, next, you know, next door or whatever. And there's somebody standing with him. And you're like, everyone was like, ooh, is it Magog? And then it turned out to be the demon guy. But Magog, he's, it almost feels like he's kind of teasing Magog since then. I'm, I'm loving this I book, didn't, guys. I didn't even make that connection until you said it. And now I'm like, oh, I got to go back and reread those issues. <laughs> It's a great book. Uh, we can talk about Batman Superman World's Finest later on because yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's I wouldn't it's, say that it's on my list, but tap 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 tap, it's on my list. Yeah, it's, it's hard because we definitely made the things that we love this year known throughout the recordings <laughs> that we've done. Um, I don't think anything that we discuss will be a surprise at all. If you've listened, and if you haven't, hey. You're going to hear about the things that we definitely enjoyed this year. But you know what else you're going to hear? A dramatic reading. And now, a dramatic reading from Excalibur, Volume 1, Page 62, Panel 6. And now you, whom they call Witchbreed... Bear their flag on your chest, as if to say Britain belongs to Homo Superior. And that is a fine thing. 
I'm sorry. I'm doing my best to settle this issue on the front lawn, but I've been being distracted by a nagging voice in my head. It's a dramatic reading from Excalibur, Volume 1, page 62, panel 6. Well done, Paul. That's a great apocalypse voice. What people didn't see... It's too. Is he made like this fish face? Like he stretched out his <laughs> lips low, like he was doing it to do the voice. Oh, but they, they possibly could see it because Paul's recording this call for the audio now, which <laughs> means he's recording the video, so he could put these up if he chooses. Oh, well, I could also just take a it. screenshot. Paul, do do it again. <laughs> I'll take a screenshot. Maybe I can make a clip and do a a, a, a YouTube short. That's a thing, right? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah, but Paul, maybe. if you do the face now, I can just screenshot it right now on the phone. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Let me look. There we go. It's in the books. That, that's it's the new the picture of Paul dies in a car accident. <laughs> that's the one that we <laughs> we put up in memoriam now. Hey, Only if Kate also dies made it through, that. That picture same. made it through the flood, Paul. <laughs> uh. That's good. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, but guys, we're looking yeah. back on a, a another. Oh, you ready to do the beer? I thought you were going to. Beer? I was about to get up and get my next one while you were talking. And then you were starting yeah. to go into the main topic. And I'm like, because Whoa. we always do I the just... beer before we get into the name. Main blah, blah. We always do it. Ah, the beer blah, 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 blah. The main yeah. But, uh, uh, guys, we're, we're looking at we Southern Tea. Southern Tier Brewing Company. This is part of, um, as well as the uh, French Toast, these are part of their Blackwater Imperial Series. And these are also back to bottles. No longer will they be in the uh, nitro cans. Hmm. Uh, But this is their Peanut Butter Cup Imperial Stout coming in at 10%. Uh, and this, it's got a big peanut butter pop on it. Mm-hmm. There's some other flavor in it. I can't pinpoint. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's I something else. I think it's too. a French toast from my last one. And I keep on trying to like rinse it out with the peanut butter here or the this peanut butter beer. But, um, yeah, I'm getting, it's just like a, like a honey kind of sweetness to it you know Sorry, kind I of just, sickly it, i just sat sweet. back down and what i'm hearing is we finally pinpointed paul as the peanut butter papa was that what i heard <laughs> i do eat a peanut little, butter and jelly sandwich little papa, almost every little day papa peanut butter pinpointed it please pinpoint it mm. yeah it's that um, um it's definitely a reese's peanut butter reese's pieces kind of peanut butter it's that a little yeah. bit too much confectioner sugar mixed into the uh, peanut butter mix. It's a little oversweet. It's not a um, more savory peanut butter yeah. peanut butter cup. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had way better peanut butter beers, but this also Be- drinks in- peanut butter Jenkins. Uh. It drinks incredibly smooth and easy for 10%. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just guzzle this beer. It is giving um, you the burps, though. Oh, damn, Paul. I'm sorry. I'm getting the peanut butter burps 
I don't know if you can hear that, but I heard it. Yep. Did Did you say puss? No, I burped. <laughs> that was me relieving pressure. My digestive well, Paul, system. Paul, if you're getting the peanut Chris. butter burps, you, you let them out because yeah. burping will get them out in a jiff. Ooh. Hey. Uh, yeah, I just realized I made a huge mistake. Now there's sirens. Oh crap! It's not that kind of mistake, guys. <laughs> um, it's not confessing my, to anything yet. My first beer was ten percent. Second one, eight percent. I have now cracked open the impending doom. It's a hazy double IPA from Heavy Seas, also in their sampler pack. This is 9.5%. Um, my final beer that I'll have Heavy later, Seas, baby. They're heavy beers. My final one yeah. is their 27th anniversary ale, uh, which is an Imperial Porter aged on oak. That one's also 10%. Uh, this 12-pack sampler was $26. And just based off of my first two sips of Impending Doom, uh, this is very much worth the money. Even if their 27th anniversary ale winds up being a dud, I think $26 for these other nine beers is a fantastic price. They're all big, bold, flavorful, and then also a little, a little bit higher ABV. And I know that should be something that you're basing your beer reviews on. Like, that's not the ultimate quantifier for a good beer. But you're you're getting your money's worth, and this hazy double IPA is is no exception to that. Uh, they do say it is brewed with Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy, and Talos hops. And back when we first started the podcast, and we were drinking IPAs, like we were taking notes about which hops that we liked. And now I think I need to look up more stuff that has like the Talos hop in it because. This is the hop profile that I that I like. That Citra, that Mosaic, like those are two of the hops that I knew that I liked when we started getting into the IPAs. Um, this is just a, a great Chinook. melding of everything. We like Chinook as well. Chinook we Cascade. Like sea ones. Yeah, it was the seas. Um, Strata. Uh, this Cascadia. is fantastic. Um, I don't know if you can get this down there but if you guys can find the sampler pack i i am highly recommending yeah. it um wow like well done heavy seas like i was i'm surprised that loose cannon there black ipas and was it loose cannon or cannonball cannonball that was their black ipa right because yeah really the, liked? i think so and then they had tropic cannon which was like the like the more ipa yeah um i'm I'm like, I'm happy with this pickup. Like this was just something because when I went to my beer store and I didn't see the Southern tier stuff, I was just walking up and down the aisle and I was like, nothing else is jumping out at me. Like there was nothing that I wanted to, to buy. And I was like, I'm just going to go look at the sampler packs in the next aisle over because Yanni was doing her like craft your own six pack thing. So she was looking for things. And literally as soon as I walked into the aisle, I saw the heavy seas, frozen seeds sampler pack and i was like oh i know i like heavy seas i can't tell you what beers that i really enjoyed from them but i know the last time i had stuff i was like oh okay this is good um i'm so glad i picked this up yeah. i'm gonna have to look for this variety pack then 
I don't know if we have a distributor that carries heavy seas anymore. Um, but if any place was going to have it, Paul, I would say it would Premier. be Premier. Premier. Yeah, <laughs> and it'll be the one from like three years ago, and they're just selling it as if it's, if it's new. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Uh, but I'll oh. do the legwork because I because I kind of want to drink these beers too. Yeah, you just need to go across the street. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy, much like I'm happy with everything. Well, almost everything that I read, watched, played, and drank this past year. Because, guys, it's time for our main topic, which is our final look back on the year that was 2022. Okay. Where do we want to start? John, uh, so, you, you messaged the group and said, hey, because we used to, we were combining for a little while there, the best things that we watched. And it was TV I believe- and movies. I believe last year or the year before that we split and did shows and movies Okay. because we were doing it before. And I was asking the question because I just wanted to make sure we were all still on the same page. Uh, but yeah, do you guys want to do, do you want to start with like movies, shows, beers, and then comics since we're a comic book podcast finished with we, those. We I, I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, I'm also all for splitting the topics because I've talked about it before, like just over the past couple of weeks, there is such a wealth of content coming out on like all the streaming services on like terrestrial TV in the like movie theaters that at the, at the back end of the year, I started to get burnt out on things and I would start it and just not finish it or not like have a chance to get to it. So it took a, not a lot for me to like find what I liked, but it took a lot of those properties to keep me watching them. I guess if that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I totally agree. Uh, um, so let, do we, do we start with the big screen or the small screen then? Well, let's go with the big screen. Okay. Um, because only one of the movies on my list, I actually saw on the big screen. The rest of them I saw on TV. Or on the, on two, the TV. two out of three I saw on uh, the big screen. One of my movies I saw on the big screen. The other two I saw on small screen. Uh, so, Chris, you're number three. Uh, I wasn't prepared to actually rank them. Paul. Um, so well, my number three. I, I, I you're number them. three. I have them. I just had to look down at my list and be well, like, let, you can rank them later, three. you know, as we go. I'm going to go with the one that I saw on the small screen because it was only available on the small screen. And it came directly to Netflix. And that was The Atom Project. The oh, Ryan Reynolds uh, time travel uh, movie. Uh, also starring, uh, what's her name that I think? Jennifer Gardner, I think. Is she in it? Or am I just mixing up two movies? Anyways, it doesn't really matter. No, it wasn't Jennifer Gardner in this one. Um but Ryan Reynolds is comes back to time and he accidentally goes too far back in time and he ends up crash landing basically in the backyard of his young younger self, himself as a kid. And he's on the run from the people that basically control time travel in the future. He's like a test pilot, you know, and he does these missions, you know, these excursions into the past for this corporation that controls time travel and the person that actually created the 
the science to do the time travel is, of course, his father. And his father turns out is is being played by Mark Ruffalo. In the past. Because he's dead in the future. Um, and high spoilers, Paul, in the future, we're all dead. That's true. That's that's very economics of you. In the long run, we're all dead. Um, but yeah, it's a fun movie. The kid that they get to play Ryan Reynolds' younger self is kind of a little kid that's full of just shit and vinegar. You know, like piss and is it piss and vinegar? What is it? It's piss and vinegar. Piss and vinegar. Uh, but you know, shit and vinegar is fine too because piss and vinegar doesn't really make sense either. I don't know. Yeah, neither of them. Makes I don't know sense, the origins, but, you know, like the entomology of where that comes from. So he's kind of an angry, wise, cracking kid. You know, that's just like how you would imagine a young Ryan Reynolds to be. So um, sneaking, 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 Mama's uh, gin. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then going flying, you know, like an aviator. Um, Al Jordan yeah, was, it was a fun. Is that why he named an aviation gin? Maybe. <clears throat> Uh, or maybe his favorite drink to make with the gin was an aviator, aviation, or an aviator. Um, but anyways, it's a fun movie. It's available on Netflix. Um, I no longer have a Netflix, but that was like one of the ones that they that came out during that. Like, hey, we're going to have a new top billing movie like every so many weeks release on Netflix. And I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that one got lost in the shuffle. Uh, no, I heard a lot of good things about it. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. Um, but yeah, I've had lots of people tell me that it's really good and that I need to watch it. So I think there are people out there, Paul, that are advocating this movie. So okay, kudos. I'm glad you enjoyed it. The thing with streaming services that I found is if you always assume that you will have that streaming service, you will always be like, well, we'll watch it later. If you put your put put a cancellation date on that streaming service, it kind of gives you that push to actually watch those things in your watch list instead of just watching the thing that you always just turn on again for the 50th time. That's that's why I still haven't watched Bright. Yeah. Yeah, remember the, the first original Netflix movie because it's like it's that, go it's always going to be first. there. Wasn't that's it? not the first. No, Little Hammer. A movie. Oh, no. oh yeah. I'm okay. pretty okay. sure they did more movies before Bright. Mm. That was just like a more bigger budget movie starring Will Smith. And an orc. And an orc. I don't know what the orcs. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's my hear number because th- Chris is doing some Google. Well, my number three. It's OK if I start with three. Uh, oh, yeah. Three. I'm sorry. Uh, my number three is actually a probably one of the best horror movies I've seen in a really long time. Um, fantastic children actors in it. Uh, and uh, the main villain, also incredibly creepy, played by Ethan Hawke, Um who's one of those villains that I'm actually like, I kind of want to know more about him. And they left him really open in a mystery. Uh, but this is the black phone. Um, I thought this movie I'm going to was... jump in here, John, because my number three. Black phone. It's also the black phone. Uh, it also like your number two is. Uh, Don't Mighty spoil Morphin. it. 
Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Secret of the Ooze. Don't spoil but, it. They I came just out. watched it finally. <laughs> they came out years ago. Guys, uh, I can't wait to see what happens with uh, Jason David Frank. Him as the Green Ranger. He's going places. Well, yeah, but he, he became the White Ranger in the movie. Oh, that's right. I, I was already the White Ranger in the movie. I it's been. No, he becomes it in the movie. Oh, in that movie. Oh, that's how they. Okay. That's how they fight uh, Ivan Ooze because they couldn't beat him before that. Well, they go to that. Weird no, they get the ninja person. powers. Yeah, yeah, from the weird moon lady. And if he comes to the like white bangle, white, white bangle tigers. Uh, I just read Godzilla versus the Power Rangers to my son because he got that trade written by Calvin Bunn, one of my guys. Uh, I just read that to my son uh, this week. <clears throat> Actually, pretty good. Uh, but yeah, Black Phone, what I thought, was... Good the fun. Uh, I would pick Black Phone over it. Um, okay. But no, I thought Black Phone was excellent. I wouldn't mind. I love the movie on a whole. I'm looking forward more from that director. But I wouldn't mind a prequel to this movie. Um, but yeah, it's uh, um, the sister and brother. They have they both have kind of a psychic connection, a psychic powers um, passed down from their mother. Uh, the one boy, the the boy is kidnapped by this serial killer who's been um, kidnapping children and murdering them. Um, <clears throat> his sister is using her psychic powers to try to find him, and his psychic powers are connected to this black phone that is not hooked up to anything, where he is receiving calls from the previous victims who are trying to help him escape. Um, all the time, the different personalities of Ethan Hawke are shown by the different face pieces of this devil mask that he wears. Um, and he kind of has this ritual routine that he does with them. And uh, it's everything a game, it's a game he's playing with them. It's like yeah. he's giving them the chance to escape and like they need to take it. Otherwise, <clears> like, he gets mad and like comes down and beats them. This isn't a Paul movie. Nope. Nope. But it is. It is a John. I don't want to be. Movie. I don't want to be picked up by the snatcher. Yeah. Don't um, do it. This movie made my list as well because this is something that I know we had discussed because this is the movie that Scott Derrickson walked away from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to do. Like, it, like fifty-fifty, like just studio inter like interruption interaction with what he wanted to do. And then like, well, I have this other thing that I'm working on. That's like really cool. Really excited to do it. Uh, and that's ultimately what led him to step away and have Sam Raimi come in. Uh, we watched this because this year at universal studios, Halloween horror nights, they had a Blumhouse house, uh, it was 50-50, like the black phone and freaky. And the black like phone. Like freaky too. Freaky's a lot of fun. Like it's awesome. Um, but I came out of watching the black phone just being like, that was fantastic. Yanni, not as impressed with it. She did not like it. She was pointing out plot holes, and it's like, yeah, I don't need the plot holes. It's just a fun sci-fi well not sci-fi but like supernatural horror movie 
revenge story. And spoilers for a movie that came out within this past year. It's when he's finally like putting together like the bits of information he's getting from those calls where it's like, oh, I was digging out like a tunnel out, like pull up this tile. And it's like, oh, I was like feeding a cord through, like grab that. Like you could use it to like strangle and fight back. Every single one of those calls, like, as soon as he hears the phone ring, I'm like, yes, like, all right, let's go. And, like, I was there for this movie in a way that I didn't think was going to be possible. And, like, I kept a running list because one of the things that I learned while doing this podcast over the past, like, 10 plus years is I forget everything that I watch, read, play, drink. So I've now made a concerted effort to actually write down everything that I'm partaking in and this is a movie that I did not forget I watched because outside of Halloween Hornets, I've thought about it on the regular because this, this was fantastic. Uh, and the kid acting was great in it. Uh, those kid actors were great and they had the feel that you were watching cause it takes place in the past. Like you were watching a movie that was shot in the eighties, like yeah. just the way those kids acted. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I'm I'm glad uh, that you loved it as much as I. I think you and I talked months ago about yeah. doing a, a movie fix about it, but at least we're talking about it now. Yeah, uh, it's it's getting its due because this was <clears throat> fantastic. And I think this is like sometimes definitely going to be like a cult favorite horror movie, like in 10, 20 years time. Like, I think this is still going to be one that people like have on their lists of like, hey, you haven't seen it. You got to check it out. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is something that when it was announced, I was excited for it. And then as more and more stuff came out, I maybe started to doubt it a little bit, but I was still excited. I was still looking forward to it. Uh, this is my streaming only addition to my list. Cause that was kind of one of the parameters I was trying to work within. And this is Disney Plus's Chippendale. Rescue Rangers. <laughs> uh, nostalgia aside, I don't know if I would have loved this movie, but this is one of those movies that knows what it is and it plays into it and has a lot of fun with it. And it does it in such like a self-deprecating, ridiculous way that I'm surprised Disney allowed it to happen. Have either one of you watched this? I haven't gotten around to it. Uh, one of the things was it definitely seemed like it wasn't something I could watch with my son. You probably could. I think he would still <clears throat> probably like it because, again, it's a cartoon movie about cartoons. And I think it would probably be most similar to something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where I might not have known everything about some of those characters while they were like making their easter egg like cameo appearances but i still came out of it being like oh that detective was talking to a cartoon that's cool kids might be jaded yeah. more now i don't know uh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the thing that i keep finding out is my son's a lot younger than i think he is when i try to show him certain things and i'm like eh, maybe this wasn't right for a four-year-old <laughs> A now four-year-old. Most of the time I show him <laughs> stuff, and I'm like, this was a bad choice for a three-year-old. 
He's like, let me show you how to properly dilute your cocaine. Uh, <laughs> with the baby powder. You do a really good impersonation of my son. Uh, <laughs> um, see, what I do is see Apocalypse impersonation, <laughs> but I just don't do, do the mouth thing first. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it sounds just like him. Uh, no, like, yeah. You have a little kid. You have certain things you don't want him hearing or saying. And my son likes to go, like, we say, don't say shut up. And anytime it happens on TV, he's like, that guy said shut up. Like, yeah, I know, but you don't say shut up, right? I don't say shut up. Or I said jerk. Like, yep. You shouldn't say jerk. It's a bad word. Like, yep. You're not supposed to be saying jerk, buddy. I know, but that guy said it. Just it gets uh it becomes a handful and rather annoying. <laughs> you listener with kids that way. Listeners with kids. Yeah, they can attest to it. Uh but just quick plot synopsis. Uh this movie takes place in real time where Chippendale's Rescue Rangers was a hit cartoon that came out in the early nineties, and since then these stars, the titular Chippendale, have gone on to other things not necessarily bigger or better uh but they have moved on from their time on the show and they're the only ones that can come together again to actually solve a current day mystery and their mystery will take them through properties that you would never in your wildest dreams have imagined and again spoilers this movie came out uh Brett mario not Chris Pratt Mario uh, came out in May of 2022, uh, but they have an extended cameo from Ugly Sonic, the Sonic the Hedgehog CG character from the movie that there was so much fan backlash for that Sony actually went in and completely redid the character design and the animation. So it's more closer to the video game, but a big portion of this movie takes place at like a, you know, pop culture, a comic book convention where ugly Sonic's there signing autographs. And it's one of those when it happened while watching this movie, it's like, I can't believe they, they did this. And this movie is directed by Akiva Schaefer from the lonely Island, um, starring John Mulaney and Andy Samberg as Chip and Dale. It's stupid fun. And it's definitely made for people of our generation, like the people that will grow up and know these characters, know these animation and pop culture tropes that they're kind of skewing. But it's so well done, and I have not gone back to it, but I'm excited for the day that I finally do, because I'm sure I'm going to catch more stuff that slid under the radar, because I was just in the moment enjoying this, and there was... Definitely, like, laugh-out-loud moments in this movie for me. Uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, my number two. Paul, what you got? What I have for my number two is my uh, my second-only uh, movie-going experience to the theater. And I was invited by our super friend of the show, uh, Greg. Uh, we went to see Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, together. And it was fun, just fun to be back in the movie theater to see the spectacle of a Marvel movie. I hadn't been uh, for, you know, since the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And, 
we all remember me complaining about that movie going experience. Did not like it. Didn't didn't feel like. And by it, you mean Spider Man. Paul just does not like Spider Man. I want to be clear for people that maybe didn't know this. No, it was a a whole family that decided to sit like right next to me and then let their child just march up and down in front of me, the whole aisle, and then like the parents arguing about who's going to take the kid out of the movie theater. You just didn't. It was just a bad movie going experience. That Spider Man No Way Home. but luckily, my movie theater experience was delightful with the uh, with my good friend Greg and his family. And, you know, it was just a lot of fun to see uh, Namor just, you know, being an imperious Rex uh, on screen. Uh, a d- very different take than the comic books, you know, have uh, a very more ancient, you know, Mesoamerica kind of. You're not sure if he was Inca or, you know, Mayan or I'm not sure which, but the Atlanteans, you know, are definitely part of that ilk in that time. Uh, as it can be stores first arrived, that's when the these Atlanteans uh, went underwater. And, um, yeah, there were some, you know, kind of flaws with the movie with some of the pacing and all that jazz but you know what it was still a lot of fun it was fun to see that the spectacle of that action up on the big screen and um i think they did the passing of um chadwick boseman justice in the movie um there was definitely you know funeral scenes you definitely have characters. The whole character arc for Shuri is her dealing with the passing of her brother and the anger she feels because of it. Um, you get a great uh, Killmonger cameo in it, which was unexpected, yeah. but amazing. And I loved it. And I'm like, yes, bring him back somehow. And it was fun. Uh, Chris, you want to say John, something? John just took his earbuds out. I don't know if you upset him so much that he didn't want anything to do with it. No, I haven't seen it yet, so I didn't want to hear oh, anything more oh. about it. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, you gave me a... I, I've been spoiler-free. <laughs> hey, baby, it's, it's this been moment on, where yeah, somebody we're was... Back. We're looking back. We always see yeah. looking back, we're and also it's been back. on uh, Disney Plus for a while. Has it, did it officially hit there? It hasn't hit there. On there yet? Oh, it's not no. there yet. Um, I'm so used to like things hitting Disney Plus like the next week after I'm like I should go to the movie and finally see that. And this is the one movie that I actually went like close to op- like opening week. Like it m- might not have been opening weekend, but it was definitely like within the first week or two. Uh, um, this movie is, I think, the best Marvel movie to come out from Phase Four. Um, Shang-Chi's a very close, like, number two. And I think if I have to look at them as, like, my favorite, I think it would be Shang-Chi. But I think... You would do Eternals, like, above all of them? I understand. No, it, Eternals is fine. Like, it doesn't deserve the hate. No, it didn't make my list. But Eternals it's not, is not fine. It's not terrible. Like, it, it's... It's not good. It's, Eternals, no, it's terrible. Eternals, Eternals is, is terrible. better than like man of oh marvel movie retrospective we'll get to it we'll We'll talk about it we'll get to it um but i shang chi probably favorite but i think black panther wakanda forever best and i think you did hit it right with 
there are some pacing issues in it because there's moments where it does seem to stop or slow down a little bit too much. But I think this movie also kind of needs some of those moments to take a step back, breathe, let you think about, dwell on, feel what's being presented and what's happening before you can move on because it's not just asking you to accept these characters like as they are, but like the actors as well. Like, and that was the biggest thing coming out of it is like Shadwick Bozeman. And I think they did a fantastic job dealing with his loss and trying to not just refocus a movie, but still deal with that. And that has to just be crushing, not just from a storytelling standpoint, but from a personal, like, this is yeah. someone that I worked with. Now I have to tell a story about them being gone, not just deal with them being gone, but like, yeah. how how do I wrap a story around that? And I think this movie does it masterfully. And yes, it was pushed back. Yes, there were delays, but none of that, like, behind the scenes stuff feels like it impacted the movie. This is still fantastic. And it does what black Panther did, where you have a villain that, you know, they're the villain, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, he's not wrong. Like shit was bad. Like I, I get how he feels. Mm -hmm. And that's the other part of this movie is like a lot of this movie is dealing with like, how do you feel? But then how do you deal with it? Um, it, it's it's fantastic, John. Like as soon as it does pop up on Disney Plus, uh, watch it. And John, That's I'm going plan. to ask, I'm going to ask you to take your earbuds out for a moment, just because I do want to address something. Um, because it's not just the loss of Chadwick Boseman from a storytelling standpoint, and his like loss as an actor, uh, but it's when they actually like kill off like Queen Ramonda in it too. Oh, yeah. Like, that I did not see happening. And there was, like, when we left the movie, like, Yanni had said, like, there were a couple of moments where she almost cried. In it. And the first part was when they were having, like, that, like, the funeral, like, the ceremony for T'Challa's death. But then it was also later on when, like, you lose the queen. And I know it was something that Angela Bassett had come out and said, like, she was upset that she's finally getting to be in, like, one of these big budget movies and she's playing a queen and, like such a great strong character and then they wind up killing her off in it but that moment like that's what seals it for Shuri and that's what sealed it for me like this movie is about loss and nothing is ever a certainty in life and it it, it guts you I, I can't wait to talk about this more during the retrospective when John has watched it um, <laughs> I do want to watch it one more time um, I want to feel if my problems with pacing will be twofolded when I watch it the mm -hmm. second time because John didn't get okay. Um So John did uh, didn't he take his earbuds out, but now he's like just sitting there staring he's at the ceiling. And he, wait, wait, my but I'm gonna just keep on pointing my at my ears while I talk finish my point. You know, because yeah. sometimes with pacing, you're like so excited to see the movie itself that you just want to keep the action going. Versus letting those moments and and sometimes you're like no the slow pacing in those you know break moments are just annoying and they it's bad it's just bad pacing 
So I'm excited to see how that plays out the second time I see it. I I will say without having looked at my full list and where I'm putting everything after where we're at currently with our great Marvel movie retrospectives, I don't know where I'm going to be placing this one in my overall list because I think like any Marvel movie, it does have its yeah. its little hits that like might not knock it down a little bit. Um. But ultimately, I feel like this is the one that I had the most like emotional response to, um, for all all above mentioned reasons. All right. So, John, uh, did you do your number two? No, uh, my number two is actually going to be. I'm, I'm Matt- glad John didn't hear us talk about how Black Panther two is actually like Eternals two. Like that was <laughs> that was. I'm glad we got around it. They had to, you uh, know, the Eternal showed up to just replant the black no, no, uh, the. Uh, the heart-shaped herb. Sorry. That's not uh, a spoiler. That's in the trailer, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty sure. I, I don't believe it was. Uh, but my number two, thank you, Paul, is uh, actually Matt Reeves' Batman. Uh, Did I you see this it when I, I showed you black photos on my list? No, I didn't. This your number one. Uh, it is the I think it's the one of the best tellings of Batman in the cinema. Uh, I think it's a great kind of year two, year three Batman where Batman. You can see that he's still figuring things out. You can see that he's learning from everything he does. And he's actually met a villain who he wasn't expecting to be as crazy as they are. Uh, And then you just have great acting. Um, Jeffrey Wright as commissioner Gordon, I thought is excellent. Um, uh, Jeez. I can't think of what's his name. John Turturro is Carmine Falcone (laughs) is again, amazing. Robert Pattinson did a great job playing both sulky Bruce Wayne, kind of weird, and Batman. Um, and then I think mean, Colin Farrell is the Penguin, unrecognizable and amazing in that role. Uh, Paul Dano's Riddler too, just creepy uh, as well. Like everything about this movie just really 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 works for me and it feels like you're reading a batman graphic novel like it's just done so well um yeah i think it's i think it's the best batman movie um because it's all about Batman. It's all about Batman. Batman's got the most screen time. Like it's all about it's, him. It's it's also about Selena Kyle, not Catwoman, but like Selena Kyle, like is a strong through line through this whole movie. And I know, I I, I know I talked about it with you guys, but I don't know if we talked about it on the show. But when we went to go see the Batman our theater actually had like technical difficulties where the picture went out, but it was still playing the audio. And it was when there was like a like big drawn out character scene. Uh, and the, the picture was out for probably about like a good, like 20 to like 25 minutes, 
before they finally stopped everything and were like, hey, we're sorry, we're going to try to get everything back up. Um, so there were like big chunks of the movie that we we didn't get to see. But once they did get everything back up and running, everything that I knew was going to happen because I had heard it happen didn't detract from this movie because this it could have really like soured this experience for me. But ultimately, I came out of this still thinking like, yeah, this is the best Batman movie. Um, and it's much more along the lines of like the uh, the Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Batman's than your Batman, Batman Returns movies where it's the detective Batman. It's like that street level Batman. I know a lot of people were upset that's Robert Pattinson because they were drawing by them. It's like toxic fans drawing those comparisons with Twilight because people don't like Robert Pattinson because other people liked him as Edward in Twilight. Did did not affect it at all. Like I have no thoughts on the guy. Like and like you said, I think he did just burnt out, worn down. Uh Bruce Wayne perfectly. I enjoyed Andy Serkis as uh, his Alfred. Jeffrey Wright as uh, Gordon. Fine. When he was on screen, it just reminded me of like if there had been a Key and Peele sketch where <laughs> like like Jordan Peele was Commissioner uh, uh, Gordon. Gordon. But you know what? I would still see that. Like That would still be great. Um but this is my number one. It's probably the best done comic book movie of the year. You know, taking yeah. into account everything else I said with like Black Panther, Shang Chi. That's for Marvel. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about DC it. stuff a lot. You know why? Because a lot of the DC stuff isn't great. And if this is where they pick up with Batman for where DC pictures winds up going i'm i'm there for it. like i think this would be a solid base to build that universe off of because everything in this movie worked so well like it's i don't want to say based off of something like long halloween because it's not but it pulls on that same thread where like if you like something like long halloween or dark victory from like jeff Loeb, tim say like this is that style of Batman story brought to life. And it's, it's so well done. That's excellent. Um, uh, yeah, superb. Uh, just like my number one pick, Paul, 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 your thoughts what? on, on the Batman. I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't, it hasn't Will seen you it. see it based off of us gushing about it? John I'll see it two, like eventually, one. like it's, it's so weird, like, because I don't want to, I'm not going to pick up HBO Max. It's just, like, one of those things. Um, is Redbox still a thing? Maybe if, they yeah, are. maybe they, if they I go to a Redbox, the, the I can pick it up from Wal- Redbox. Or CBS. And in fact, I got a Monday, I, I have Monday Fundays, and I was actually thinking about this. I'm like, you know what? I own the four Batman, like, the original Batman uh, um, Blu-ray, you know, because I got it in the collection cheap. Um. So if I start with those and then I own the, you know, DVDs from back in the day of uh, the the Christian Bale Batman's, yeah, the Christopher Nolan's. So I could just roll like eight different, you know, Monday fun days into getting to watch this HBO one, you know, or this uh, 
It's not or you could just say like it's my Monday fun day. We're gonna watch. We're gonna yeah. watch this one. The Batman. Yeah, <laughs> the guy spoke really highly of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think your wife would kill you by the end of it. <laughs> no, because we watched all the Mission Impossibles like once a, one for every Monday fun day. She had fun with that. Do you remember? I tried doing that with Fast and when Furious. When we were having a huge Batman discussion, and all the ladies were like, "Yeah, but that was Fuck like these dudes." A- that was like during a Christmas party or some other like, hey, all our friends are over for the first time in like forever. And all we're doing is like talking about Batman. But, yeah, but also like everybody segregates like they all like. Yeah. These guys are in the kitchen. These guys in the dining room. These guys in the living room. So it's an every, you know, yeah, but you get into those groups with those conversations. It's, you know, I sometimes people say, you, you know, some some of the. Uh, women that were there and witnessed that uh, said that they, you know, took the, they they didn't want to be part of the conversations. I'm just saying it was good training uh, or to become a parent because eventually, when you have kids, your daughter or your son is going to come up to you and ask you, "Hey, what's this Batman doing?" You know, and you just need to know. You just need to know. And as a parent, yeah, you just, you're going to have to ask them. Why do we fall? We learn how to get back up. Uh, But my number one is actually the movie Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt, uh, Joey Kelly, Aaron Tyler Johnson, uh, Brian Tree Henry, who's amazing in it. Uh, One of the most likable people. You mean Eternal Zone? (laughs) Yes. Tree Henry? He's probably uh, better known from Atlanta because more people have watched that than Eternals, but you know. I picked a bit this and is I'm going with it. Uh five assassins aboard a bullet train um crossing Japan uh with the end of the train, the big boss, uh the former Russian mobster who is now in charge of uh the Japanese mob who's heartless, who's ready to kill everyone. Everyone's trying to get off the train with the money, with the just everybody's trying to get off. Brad Pitt is amazing in this movie. I love his character. Um, Aaron Tyler Johnson, also amazing in this. Uh, They just recently rumored that he might be playing Bond and I'd be down. I really liked him in this. Uh, and uh, Aaron uh, Taylor Johnson, he was uh, Kickass in Quicksilver. Um, soon to you be, Craven. be Craven. Yeah, if uh, that movie comes out, because I don't know, I I have my doubts <laughs> that Sony's gonna lean more into their stuff, the Spumco. Uh, but this it this movie was great. I watched it, and a few days later, I was talking to my mother in law and. Her and I have nights where we just go like to go to her. Sue, you know what? I haven't watched in a long time. And she'll be like, uh, I don't know, Beverly Hills Cop. But I'm like, yep, you're right. Let's watch it. And then we'll just watch something and we'll just name something and sit down and watch some crazy, goofy movie. And this is one of those things like, Sue, I got a movie for you. And three days later, sat down and watched it. When I was trying to decide this list. I sat down and watched Bullet Train again. Like it's on Netflix. It's 
it's it's just a lot of fun. It knows what it's supposed to be, and it's like I, I would say it's kind of in that realm of like two smoking aces or um, shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up kind of a thing, but actually done a whole lot better than that. Um, but yeah, I just it knows what it's supposed to be, and it does it great. And Brad Pitt is just perfect in this role. Uh, this looked like it was a lot of fun, and it's something that I wanted to watch this year, but I didn't get a chance to. Um, Yanni and I talked about watching it like multiple times. Not, not that she's like a cultural touchstone or anything, but my mom, like on one of her days off, went to go see this, and it was one of the movies that she was like, "Hey, I went to go see this. It's awesome!" Like, and again, not cultural cultural touchstone. But my mom is awesome, and when mm-hmm. she like says stuff like this, I'm like, all right, like my mom dug it, like, because my mom basically shaped me into who I am. Uh, <laughs> so basically everything that I like, my mom likes. So if my mom likes something, I'm like, yeah, this is probably probably pretty good. Uh, and your mom likes me, to, so that's great. <laughs> I've gone I've gone out to dinner and hung out with Chris's mom without Chris. <laughs> <laughs> She's cool. I don't so, know. Yeah, she's yeah. cool. Yeah. Whenever Chris is like, oh, my mom, uh, is it okay if my mom comes? We're like, yeah, it's your mom. So, yeah. All right, let's get to shows, guys. Yep, number wait, did Paul, three. Paul, did you do your number one? You guys already know my number one. You guys want to guess? Taylor Swift. Only other uh, movie that I went to see in the theaters this year. Talked about it on the show plenty of times. Oh, Jesus. That means I got to listen to Paul. Uh, I'm trying to think back. I remember what else Paul went to go see. Was it Shang-Chi? It's the top of my list, guys. X-Factor. Greatest Showman. It's the top of my list. And I'm not a renegade or a maverick. Oh. It's Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. Gun Maverick. I was gonna say, wait. I was like, Mission Impossible didn't come out yet, though. I don't think <laughs> comes out next year. Guys, this was so much fun. I in fact got it on Blu-ray, watched it again for my, the last time I had Monday Fun Day. Um, oh no, not it wasn't even a Monday Fun Day. It was just like after Christmas. Um, Kate's like, oh, let's just put on a movie we've seen before. I'm like, all right, I'm putting on Top Gun Maverick. And we're, we played some cribbage. And, like, even Kate, as we were playing, um, she kept on, like, just watching the movie. It's it's great. It's so much better than – it is better than the original. I'm not going to say it's so much better than the original. Um, everybody involved in that movie just gave it its all. Gave it their all. Um if you're not interested in Top Gun, that's fine. But if you're a fan of Star Wars, here's here's your in. Imagine that instead of they're flying F-14s, they're flying X-wings, and instead of training to bomb this, you know, enemies like uh, weird Iranian enrichment center, uh, center, they're going to you know blow up the Death Star because it's basically them training for the Death Star attack run. They're going down. A a, uh, a mountain uh, trench, and there's. Uh, Thank you for putting in the like, Star Wars terms, because like when you were like saying like, he, Paul was doing a hand motion where he had like his hand as the plane, and I'm like, 
it's a trench. And he was like, it's yeah, a trench. mountain trench. I was like, yep, okay. Mo- you know, a mountain mountain pass. No, it's a trench. They're doing the trench run. And they got in, and it's a miracle shot that has to happen, and they blow up the One a million kids. That's, that's, and it has to happen twice. Um, so that that's the movie. It's it's just a lot of fun. It's great. It's it's ridiculous in some scenes, but that's fine. Um, I had a lot of fun. Is it because there's a bunch was, of people sitting together singing "Great Balls of Fire"? Yes, that was actually a lot of fun. That's one of the only things I know about this movie because I haven't seen it. Um, the YouTube clip that you see online is actually longer than what's actually in the movie. Okay. Uh, of the Great Balls of Fire because they they do a whole flashback and uh, and which was annoying to me because like to gear up to go see the movie of course I watch the original Top Gun again because yes I own that on you played a bunch of volleyball yeah you gotta play a bunch of volleyball on the beach you know you gotta get ready sorry I I was about to take a sip of my beer and I was like I need to ask Paulus is there a volleyball scene in this one because it seems like something that's so iconic they would have to have it there's a they are playing a sport on the beach, and they call it dogfight football, where they both play offense and defense at the same time. Which well, that just seems like no when you played like when you played backyard football, but you only had like four, like five people playing, and you're like, all right, well, I'm all time QB. So yeah, no, this is like where they both have like they have two footballs, they both snap a football, so they're oh. both playing offense. But also defense at the first, you know, at the same time. So that whoever scores a touchdown first on that play gets a gets the point. It makes no sense. It's Quidditch. They're playing beach football Quidditch. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just an excuse to get everybody, you know, you know, all the guys topless and all the girls in, in, in skimpy clothes and to have uh you know, Maverick jog on sand again. You know, it's just fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm really sorry, everyone. If my sound quality goes down, I had to plug my phone into charge because three hours running it on Skype, I've like wiped up my battery. No worries. You sound better now than you did before. So where are we going next? Is small screen? Small screen. Number three. Chris, your number uh, three. My number three is probably one of the most expensive TV shows ever made. Uh, we've talked about this a lot over the past year, just with like the announcements and the lead up and the anticipation of it. But this is going to be Amazon Prime's Rings of Power. Uh, a lot of people, I think, did not like this show, just from like what I've seen on like my little corners of the internet, because I try not to go to places where people are like overly negative and just like super critical of stuff. But I think a lot of people went into this expecting something maybe a little bit different, but this was Amazon playing in the sandbox that has very strictly written like walls built around it. So they could do what they could do. But ultimately I think this is just like a great fantasy series. That's, lending a little bit to the Lord of the Rings franchise. And I think every dollar of the billion dollars that they spent on however uh, seven, eight 
episodes that they did of this, it shows on the screen. Like this show is gorgeous. I love all the characters that they bring in, introduced, whatever. Uh, Rings of Power, I think, is fantastic. I'm excited that we're getting a season two of it, even if it doesn't wind up airing for another year or two because of the work that goes into it. Um, I'm all for super salty Galadriel, like, doing her own thing, because that was awesome. Uh, Elf dude, whose name I don't remember. He was awesome. It doesn't matter. Dude's super dope. Like, hell yeah. Like, character. Uh, Proto Hobbit Nori Lightfoot, whatever her name, Brandyfoot. Yeah, like, give me more of that with, like, the stranger who might be Gandalf before he goes to Middle-earth. That's still up in the air. People don't know. Um, it's called, like, the stranger on everything. Hmm? I think it's Gandalf. I, I think so. Uh, I super enjoyed this show, just as what it was. I, I'm i not going to nitpick over stuff that... Be, isn't a hundred percent based off of whatever happened in the books or the appendices or anything else that. Because Chris, uh, I think you're like me. We've tried to read those books and appendices. They're, they're, they're tough. Like some of the stuff you can't adapt and that's fine. What I want is just a good story. And that's what I got out of this. Like there's so much like great fun fantasy coming out of this. Like, I never got around to watching the uh, Game of Thrones prequel series because by the time I got through this, I'm like, no, my my fantasy fantasy itch has been scratched. Like, I'm I'm good. I don't need it anymore. This is one of those ones that I haven't finished because Caitlin and I can't get on the same schedule to watch it. And I started watching it without her. And I probably got like three more episodes past where we were. And then she was like, Hey, we haven't watched that. Let's watch it. And then I had to rewatch all of those, but I was desperately waiting for the next episode. And then we couldn't get our stuff to align. And I know if I start watching it again to finish it, she's going to be like, Hey, let's do it again. Like right after I watch it. So I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to finish it. I got to the episode where they got to the, the uh, Galadriel got to that community, that the castle and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like episode five, four or five. Yeah, I was going to say like four, but it might be yeah. like four or five. Um, and I think maybe I got a little bit past that, but it was just like they're big episodes. They're like movies within themselves. Um, the production value, everything looks amazing on it, unlike the Hobbit uh, trilogy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they spent money on it. And I know if like, if you look into it, there's all these things that they couldn't talk about or couldn't do because of certain rights and stuff. Like they didn't have the rights to all of the books or all of the characters or certain things. Like there's a lot of rigmarole in there. Um, but yeah, I thought the show was excellent. It didn't make my list cause I didn't finish it. And it wasn't one of those things, I was very excited when it came out, but it wasn't one of those things that I pushed to continue to watch. 
unlike the other things on my list. That's okay. All right, you guys know me. I will usually come. We 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 do know you. That's why we record a podcast with you. I was asking for your thoughts on on it. Oh, I I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, so this is a something like I owned the Lord of the Rings like extended editions and the all the Hobbit movies on Blu-ray. If this does come out on Blu-ray, I would pick it up just as something to have in my like annual rotation. Like I will watch this. So Paul. Okay. I would definitely then if with that recommendation, I would probably pick it up as Blu-ray because I own the first Hobbit movie just because I was gifted that, but it was also in 3d and I had a 3d TV and it was fun to watch in 3d. Also, Paul likes the fact that he owns it on, like, Blu-ray because he can throw them around like dwarves throwing plates. Yeah, they're plates, because that's what Bilbo Baggins hates. Um, that, made me, that made me smile. I like that. <laughs> but but The Ring of Power, I would want, I did want to watch, but, like, my Amazon Prime was coming up, and it was, like, going to be 140 to redo it for the next year, and I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I, I don't... I don't need to order that much from Amazon Prime to get the free shipping. You can get the free shipping as long as you order like over 25 bucks most of the times anyways. And so it's not two days, whatever. Like even this Christmas where I really thought I would be missing it is fine. I don't need Amazon Prime. Um, Jack Reacher, yes. Rings of Power, yes. Like there are shows I'm... I will be missing, but that's that's life right now. You know, there's too many streaming services out there. Um, luckily, I got good Black Friday deals to get Hulu and also uh, Disney Plus back. But what's your show, Paul? Oh, what's my show? You know me. I'm I'm gonna I I'm gonna mention something that's not like a traditional show at all. I'm gonna mention uh, mention two different uh, video creators. That I've, you know, really come to uh, enjoy and respect. One is Jen Markham. She's on uh, TikTok and also on Instagram. She does uh, Trooper Trooper Mom. She dresses up like a uh, speeder bike uh, trooper, stormtrooper, and she has uh, Grogu, and she pretends like she's Grogu's mother. You know, it's funny. But she's a huge Bill. The only the only troopers I know that had Grogu were punching him. Yeah. But she's a huge Bills All fan. All are bad. ACAB. Um, Abacab. But that's the blood code. Is it Abacab? ACAB. Oh, I was just. It's not Super Nintendo. But is it? Oh, the blood code for the blood code for Genesis on. Mortal Kombat. I got Am I wrong? I'm sorry for derailing this. I, I had a joke, and now it turned into something that I I didn't know. I'll just no, keep but going, buddy. Just keep going. But she's a, she's a great cosplayer. She does, she does a lot of Star Wars cosplay, a lot of Marvel cosplay, but she's also a big Bills fan, so there's a lot of Bills stuff, Buffalo Bills stuff that's incorporated hey, in it. Hey, hey, hey. Um, so she definitely is big into the Let's Go Buffalo. Uh, she's an awesome big Disney fan as well. Uh, she's gone to a bunch of the movie premieres. So if Jen Markham, you know, go give her a follow uh, if that interests interests you. 
And also, since I don't have cable, I miss out on like ESPN, like, uh, you know, the the Sunday morning, Sunday morning football and stuff like that, like Sports Center. Don't have that. But I've kind of scratched that itch with uh, watching Tom Grassi on YouTube. He does uh, like basically a video almost every single day, like recapping what's happening in the NFL. Uh, I've really enjoyed his fan reacts. Every fan reacts to, you know, blah, blah, blah season. They're a lot of fun. Um, both of these people I found during, like, when the Bills lost that, like, incredibly close game to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs last year, where I was just so amped up after watching that game, I couldn't fall asleep. And then, like, these people were, po- these two people were posting about that game, you know. And, uh, you know, I found, like, a certain camaraderie with that. Um, and I've been following them ever since. So it's been a full year and I've started following them on, uh, in January of 2021, uh, 2022. So there you go. That counts. Uh, my number three is probably going to be Chris's number two. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Let me, let me try to get as bored as John was as I was. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can. But I'm going to really try. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it is Stranger Things. Uh, oh, latest... shit. I can't get that bored because that's like, it's on close. my list. You are close. <laughs> but I, I will say this is my number one. Oh, okay. Paul, is this your number two? This is this your number one? Number two. Uh, yeah, Stranger Things was amazing. It was excellent. Uh, it was one of those ones that it took us a while to get get to it to watch it. Just a house dynamic. We knew we couldn't watch it with my mother-in-law because she doesn't like anything kind of horror or anything like that. So it's me and Caitlin kind of trying to steal time to watch it ourselves. Uh, and then once we got started on it, it was hard to stop us from watching it. And um, this was us like, Watching TV in our bedroom, which we never do because it's close to my son's room, but then going like the air conditioner's running in his room. We don't give a shit like kind of stuff. So um, we started watching it after it had finished, um, but it didn't take us long to finish it. And uh, absolutely excellent. Everything that happened in it. Great. I think it's one of the best seasons Next to maybe that first season, it's yeah, definitely that, the best season. That first season is great because it was something special. Like the fact that it was like that kind of 80s throwback horror, like, ed, like adventure. Because like, it's very Stephen Kingy like horror, but it's still very like family goonies kind of because like you're following that group of kids, like trying to solve the mystery of their missing friend. Um, this is my number one because I think they learned their lessons from season three, where season three did the thing where they broke everybody off into different groups Mm -hmm. and you're kind of jumping between episodes and arcs with like different groups, different, uh, members of the family or the friend group. And you had like a story that you were most invested in. And in season three, there were definitely episodes where you're like, oh, well, I don't care about this 
arc as much. So this episode's kind of dead to me. Not to say I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Loved it. I stayed watching it. Um, Season three but, gave us one thing that I will always be grateful for. And you cannot speak Erica? ill. Yeah. Erica. You can't spell America without Erica. <laughs> Erica's so great. Uh, and also the uh, the whole Robin Robin and uh, Steve like ship. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like in that bathroom, that whole scene. I'm like, man, I, everything's great. Hey, uh, I might not have been a great boyfriend. Boyfriend. Uh, and I'm like, great, baby. Wait, no, that was this season, right? When he says that? I'm not, I, I might not have been a good boyfriend, but I'm a great babysitter. Was that it, season three? It, that, that could have been three? from any season of Stranger Things, and I would believe it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's season but, three. But that's it, like, Steve became that character from season one that I hated. And then in season two, you're like, oh, this guy's great. And, like, they just kept going with him, and... Robin is also one of my favorite characters now, but I just stand in awe of season four because Eddie Munson. they they know what they're doing now. And I feel like they did in season one, but now they have enough experience with breaking people off, telling those side stories, like weaving everything through that it. Season four worked so well that at no point did I feel like anything was ancillary to the actual story. Like even like the stuff at the the old buyer's house where like, oh, well, now we're just seeing her like. But then you have the government assaulting it and then you have like the special forces that are there like to protect the kids. And then like they're jumping into Argyle's like pizza van to go on the run and. Everything about the season just mm-hmm. sings in a way that I haven't experienced from this series that I've watched four seasons of now and have loved every single season. Um, Even all the like the the uh, Freddy Krueger esque stuff with Venta and <laughs> the claw hand and how he walks with it like pulling down like and even having um, I can't think of the guy who played Freddy Krueger's name. Uh, uh, Robert England. Robert England in it, like all those things, like was just like, oh. So part, so not part of the crazy. reason, but one of the things that like propelled this up is if you are a Spotify subscriber, uh, Spotify, the app that you can like stream music off of, built your upside down playlist, where this would be your playlist that would save you from Vecna. And of course, it had some songs like thrown in there, like "Running Up That Hill" from Kate Bush, uh, "Master of Puppets" from Metallica, like mixed in. But that became one of my favorite playlists because it was building off of the algorithm of what I had listened to, what it knew that I liked. That I could put on my upside down playlist and be like, "Yeah, these are all songs that I'm going to enjoy." Like they might not flow, but if I just look at the songs individually, I'm like, "Yeah, like this, this is." what I I like, what I love. That's why I love it. No, my number one, Stranger it's, Things. Then my number two is the same as your number two, Chris. Sandman? I was going to say Peacemaker. Oh, that almost made my list, but I, I went Sandman. So go ahead, talk about Peacemaker, because this, this was close. Uh, Peacemaker, James Gunn, 
sequel series to his movie Suicide Squad. Also, the series that started out with him uh, when COVID hit was just like, I'm going to do a writing exercise. I'm locked into my house and starts writing this series, which I think he was planning on turning into a comic book tie in to the movie. But then he ended up approaching HBO and was like, I got an idea for this movie. And they were like, okay, or idea for a show. They're like, okay. Uh, John Cena is amazing in this movie. His character of Peacemaker, who's a total asshole, actually goes through an amazing story arc where at the end of it, learns lessons to how to be a friend and how to actually not be a dick. Oh man, um, I want to go through that story arc. The the team comes together. Um Vigilante is amazing in it. Uh especially for the fact that he was recast after the first couple episodes. Wait, was he? I did not know that. Yeah. Um so they had done like three episodes, and the only reason James Gunn was gonna direct them all. And the only reason they brought in other uh, directors for season or episode like four and five is because he went back and reshot everything with the new guy for to fill in for all those scenes. I would not have known that. Uh, yeah. What I do know about it is Vigilante is played by the same actor that played Cormac McClagan uh, in the Harry Potter movies. So the dude that's trying to like mac on Hermione at the uh, slug club. That's Vigilante. You never actually see him because like, he's always just like wearing like that, like the visor mask, but wow. Thanks. Bang broadcast. I did not know that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was just, it was one of those things every week. I could not wait for that to premiere. Um, and it was also coming out at the same time as Boba Fett. And I was having so Clear much winner. more fun Clear with, winner. with Peacemaker that I was just like, I love that. And like you and I, Chris, were talking and you're like, how can you skip that opening sequence? You can't. The, you really want it? really want it? The, the whole musical number with the dance, everything, just, just fantastic. In the over-the-top craziness um, with heart. And that's one of the things that James Gunn can always do is bring heart into his movies and make it work and not feel, like, sappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and Peacemaker does that. Like, no, I was there every week watching it and loving it. We watched Peacemaker as it was premiering. Same thing. And I'm not a wrestling guy at all, but I feel like now, if I was, I would have to watch John Cena. I don't think he's a wrestler anymore, but, like, I he has enough goodwill for me watching this and the Suicide Squad that he would be my wrestler. Like, he would be my Macho Man, my Hulk Hogan, like, in that era, like, time machine, whatever. Um, I'm going to point to it now for you guys, because we're on a Skype call together. Um on my entertainment center behind me here, I have an Eagly Funko Pop that Yanni bought <laughs> because 
he was her favorite character from watching Peacemaker. Like we went to the comic book store one day and she picked up Eagly because she was like, Oh, I have to get Eagly. He's the best character. Like, I don't know so, what's going on in my world. I saw an eagle give a man a hug. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, absolutely fantastic. I would have made my list if I didn't have to put Sandman on my list, because I think Netflix's Sandman is probably the best take on that character and this story that we could have gotten. Uh, something that's been in development forever that never seemed like it was going to happen because Sandman is such like a big, weird, overarching story that it would be hard to adapt. I think serialized television is the best way to do it, and it seems like it was done properly here. Uh, and that's that was my number two. Yeah. Paul, your number two? Did we mention it? Yeah, yeah, we talked about uh, Stranger Things. No. All right. So, Paul, Paul, someone that doesn't subscribe to Netflix, you when you did get back into it, you watched all of it. Yeah, we we got the Netflix for Stranger Things. uh, Once it was uh, once that second part started, that's when we re-upped our Netflix account, and that's when we watched the Adam Project. That's when we watched uh, all of the first part of Stranger Things season four, and then we were right there live for Stranger Things. Have you watched old enough yet? No, but I've seen the SNL sketch because it starred uh, an honorable mention, only murders, only murders in the building, Selena Gomez on SNL. Ooh, 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 Paul, Paul, you are leading into what I was going to spring on you guys there. What's that? The late to the party. But continue, continue, Paul. Uh, But so, yeah, I came back to Netflix just uh, Basically for that, just for that one month. Um, am I going into my, where am I going? Where do you want me to go, Chris? I have no idea. I did my number two. I did my number one. What do you need to talk about still? Your number one, Paul. What's my number, number one, one is, of course, because, man, when I saw this trailer, I was like Sam Whitmer just screaming, where's Kenobi? Like constantly waiting for this show to hit Disney Plus, And that is Obi-Wan, uh, Star Wars Obi-Wan on Disney Plus, like that was everything I wanted. Uh, you had a broken Obi-Wan, and he gets called out of retirement for one more job. He's too old for this shit, but he finds a way to not only like say to do what he needs to do, but reconnect reconnect with the Force in an even stronger way. And it gave me in that final episode what I wanted from this whole series. Give me a reason why Obi-Wan would say to Luke, Darth Vader killed your father. And and you get it. And it's emotionally resonant and true. Like, you understand why this character would carry out that certain point of view from then on. Because he gets it from that guy's mouth slash respirator in that scene. That half-masked scene is brilliant. It's wonderful. It is a Star War. I loved it. I loved everything everything leading up to it I was okay with. But, man, that was so good. Uh, Not your failure. 
I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan. Okay, go ahead. Obi-Wan almost made my list. Um, But there were other shows that I was more excited for. And I was excited for Obi-Wan in the lead up to it. And I think it kind of fell down on my rankings because it's exactly what I wanted it to be. And I know that's a weird disqualification reason, but I think this is the best version of Obi-Wan we've had since we got Ewan McGregor in the prequels because old Obi-Wan, he he never did anything for me. Like old Ben Kenobi, like he's not my Obi-Wan. Ewan McGregor lent credence to those movies and I think was the high point of it. And when they announced the show, I was like, yes, I get to get more Obi-Wan. And then I was like, oh, I get to get more Anakin. And it's in that episode number three where you have that, like, flashback mm-hmm. to where they're training, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan with their lightsabers. And you kind of get to the core of those characters that you've mm-hmm. known for like 45 years now at this point, because uh, that's when Star Wars came out. They nailed it. And I I love Obi-Wan, and I love you and McGregor as Obi-Wan. I'm sad we won't get more Obi-Wan. Like, there's not going to be an Obi-Wan season two, because this, this filled in any of the gaps that they probably could have had. Uh, and that's depressing. about it. There's talks about another Obi-Wan. Yeah, there's like much, much like all Star Wars, there's talks about everything. <laughs> yeah. There's talk uh, about I, a Vader I, series, like coming out of Obi-Wan and the time in between, you know, from then on. Hey, Darth Vader middle management. Love it. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about that before. Uh, yeah, no, I thought Obi-Wan was great. I only had room on this list for one Star Wars show. Um, so Obi-Wan didn't make it, but I thought Obi-Wan was great. Um, I loved Ewan McGregor in it. I enjoyed it, um, wholeheartedly. I loved it. Just, just, there's so many great moments in Obi-Wan where Obi-Wan's like fighting Reva and like, she's kind of like, oh, you didn't know? Mm-hmm. He's, he survived. Like, he's, he's still there. He's looking for you. And like, you just have that, like, you can feel the sinking in the gut that Obi-Wan has where he's like, shit, I got this kid with me. Like, I got to get out of here. And, like, shout out to little Leia mm-hmm. in that show, too. Like, you, you were talking about, like, child actors before, John. Um, little Leia nails it. Like, she's she's got it. Like, I hope to see more of that kid, like, down the road. Um Funny assass feels like comes across with an attitude like I don't need to be saved, even though she's obviously kidnapped and in over her head. She still like plays it off like, "What are you going to do, old man?" Sean, what's your number one? Do you have more to say? With with Kenobi too, the ultimate thing that he did, what that it did, was bring Flea into the Star Wars universe. (laughs) Uh, even for as short-lived as it was. Uh, but my number one is Andor. Uh, one of the ones I did not finish. I watched, like, I think four episodes of it. Loved it. Amazing. So well done. But I was just getting burnt out on content. And I 
I kind of yeah, mentioned that at the beginning. Like, it's fantastic, but I just didn't keep going because I was like, I'm watching too much stuff right now. Andor I need to, on this, I need to unfortunately started like while She Hulk was still going, and then by the time I finished She Hulk, it was time to just watch Christmas stuff. Yeah. So I never started Andor. Paul, start it. I'm going to love it. I know I will. It's a little bit of a slow burn, but it is so much character development. But it's just so much Andor. middle management. There's but a lot of Andor. middle management. There's a lot of middle management, but it's like every couple episodes, it's its own little like vignette with Andor in it. And you have the first three episodes where it's him getting off the planet and getting to do this. And then the next couple episodes are. Uh, the heist that he's about to do. The next one is, I don't want to give anything away. And then the, the next is like the conclusion in the end, but it's all Andor on this one way track that he doesn't know. It's one way of him joining the resistance and where it all takes you to get there is just absolutely fantastic. And where, where he ends up going, like, if if it wasn't for that middle section when I really don't want to give anything away, but uh, that middle section where he realizes the empire is really, really bad and what they're doing and doing to people and even him. It's another reason for him to fight against this. And then at the same time, um, uh, I can't think of his name. I'm pulling it up. Um, Scarzard. Scarzard. Like you have him in there and he's fantastic in it, but he has towards the end, one of the greatest like monologues in star Wars history gives you goosebumps, gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. And it's it's like, so dart scene as what? As good as a Ted lasso dart scene. Yeah. Because that gives me goosebumps. This one is just, it's really great. Because he's the guy who is funding and creating the rebellion, and somebody questions what he's given up for it, and he goes into this huge thing, and then he just looks at the guy and just gutturally says, like, what have I given up? Everything! And it's just... That's from World of Warcraft. (laughs) uh, uh, But it's just like this just amazingly delivered thing, and it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. Uh, Diego Luna's great. Uh, I don't know um, the name of the actress, but like Mon Mothma, like just her like crappy home life while she's like secretly like funding the rebellion on the side. And she's like, oh, I got to get to my husband because we're having this like dinner tonight. Like she gets home and like Chris was like, where were you? What were you doing? Uh, like, just wait. There's more scenes where she's trying to get this banker on her side to fix all of her fun and she's walking with them and she's just like uh so how do you feel about this remember to smile smile like she's like she's like just walking with them making sure that it looks like they're having a normal conversation there's so much great stuff in this uh it's one of the best star wars things we've gotten since rogue one I think it's better than Kenobi. It's better than Boba Fett. It is the best Star Wars thing without 
Jedis without like mm-hmm. crazy aliens or this or that or bounty hunters going out throughout. It's just this the start of the Republic and it's just fucking fantastic. I loved it. I I also had like a group of people at work that after every episode we come in and we were like, okay, what'd you think? I didn't watch it. We'll talk tomorrow kind of a stuff. And we had so many great discussions about it that I was just like, man, I, it just sold me even more on it, but it's really, I, I don't want to say I abandoned it. Like I stopped watching it. Like it's on my list. Like I do want to like keep going, but by the time I get home from work, I don't want to watch it without Yanni because we we watch like the first like four or five however many together like I don't want to like go without her but then by the time like we're both home it's like all right let's let's watch something fun like let's mm-hmm. yeah you know enjoy our evening like not have like a heavy-handed political sci-fi drama yeah turn um, on uh the mammoth club mammoth fam mammoth, yeah like uh, we watch yeah, the, like club. the mammoth club stuff like we, uh like it, it's kind of to your point. Earlier, Paul, like The Office, Modern Family, yeah, like Parks and Rec, Superstar. Like we're watching fun decompressing shows. It's nothing that's like dragging you into it. Oh, Kate got through all of Superstore, by the way. We got Peacock for like a buck or for ninety nine yeah, cents Peacock's, for yeah, Peacock cheap. For I love for Superstore. Year. Like and like Kate already got through all of Superstore like since November, like Black Friday when I got it, and I'm like, <laughs> no, right. it, it's a fun show. Uh, Anyone have any other shows? Did we get through everybody's three? Yeah, we got through everything. Okay. Uh, you have another beer you want to discuss? Uh, I do. Oh. Uh, so I have from, oh, nice. Paul's got his classic, uh, from Bell's. They just, Bell's just put out a new variety pack where you get two-hearted, heavy-hearted, a new um, hazy heart. And then they have Change of Heart, which is an experimental IPA. And that's what I'm drinking here. And I grabbed it because it is a cold IPA. Hmm. Uh, and I really it's enjoy a, is it. Is it in a variety pack? All it's those in a variety together? pack. Yes. I'm going to have to find that. Because my yeah. one of the people that I work with, their favorite beer is Too Hearted. So that would be a perfect, like, hey, thanks for helping me out at work kind of present. So, Yeah. Uh, so the cold IPA version, which is called Change of Heart, experimental ITA, IPA, it's going to be continuing to rotate through different beers. Um, the cold IPAs have been a style that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, and this is really nice, really fruity. It's got a little bit of that nice bitter on it. Um, finishes soft on the palate, 6.8%, um, which is, I think, a, in my mind, a little high for cold IPAs, but I've seen a lot of higher ABV cold IPAs lately. Um, but definitely just, just excellent, great drinking beer. Interesting. Uh, my final one, and I kind of spoiled this before, but this is the 27th anniversary ale from Heavy Seas, and this is an Imperial Porter, aged on oak, 10% ABV. Um, I did not realize... Porters could have this kind of flavor profile, but I think a lot of it is coming from 
just sitting on that oak because it's bringing in that like like oaky tannin that you don't expect from a porter um but then there's like a nice like chocolate depth like sweetness to it uh i said it before when i talked about my third beer guys look for the frozen seas sampler pack from heavy seas like $26 all the beers in this are a knockout uh john i think you were gone when i said this even if it had just been like my first three for $26 three of each of those beers i would have been fine putting that money into it and like whatever the other three were it is what it is i have not had a sampler pack that all of the beers in it delivered in such a way that i was like yeah i'm glad i have multiples of these to drink like this is all fantastic uh while we were recording i sent yanni a text message because she's sitting in the other room and i was like sampler pack i got they're all good like <laughs> go get something I'm now regretting that because I have to walk over to the kitchen and see what she took out of the box. Cause I'm now down a beer. That hurts. Yeah. But you're also up a, a, a girlfriend that enjoyed a beer. She did. So that's uh, like but, I said, up in the front think, of the show, she, she did a make your own six pack at the, at the beer store. And while we were recording, like, I think we were in like the list or, Maybe we can keep. Uh, she came over and gave me a sip of her like rainbow sherbet sour that she got, and I was like, "This yeah, is a good sour." Was it from Prairie? Uh it was from Allergy Brewing here in oh. Tallahassee, Florida. It's really good. It's like a like a rainbow sherbet sour. It's called like colored glasses. Well, that's gonna take us uh, right into uh, our favorite beers of. Um, of the year and uh paul what's your number three my number three is going to be rec league from harpoon uh just a very easy drinking four four percent uh abv it's actually i think it might now that it's available in a 12 pack cans it might surpass the all-day ipa Hmm. 120 calories i think it's I think it's one of those perfect fridge fillers. Like it's, it's got enough flavor that will appease a crappier drinker, but it doesn't blow anybody out of the water palate wise where it's going to be off putting to somebody that's a Labette blue drinker. Um, I enjoy it. Like I come, if I come home from work and I just want something to drink while getting dinner ready, like that is one of those great beers. It's great. I'm thinking that's what I'm going to kind of keep my fridge stocked with. Not I. I might re- rotate it out with another like in similar elk um, beer, but yeah, Rec League from Harpoon. Uh, I actually have two beers for my number three because I couldn't decide which one. I liked more in my description it's that I all liked, movies. It's all movies. <laughs> but it's all of the beers. Uh, yeah, Paul was giving like a, oh, this is my favorite, but I also like this in my his category. So I was like, oh, Paul did it. It's okay if I do it. I did it uh, with the the TV, and I did like streaming. I had to get something like. Well, I'm doing Edward from Hill Farmstead. It's a pale ale. 
had it on tap at Pizza Plant because Hill, Hill Farmstead are beers that you do not get out this way. Uh, Hill Farmstead, in my opinion, makes some of the best beers in America. Uh, and when I had this on tap, I, I it was so good. I had to check into it and I put, boy, that's good. Uh, and then my other number uh, three and is past John would or, never lie to you, John. <laughs> right. Well, I, that was from uh, in May 19th, 2022. Damn, that's good. Uh, and then Noble Beast uh, Brewing out of Cleveland. This was probably one of the best beers that I had when I was there. Um, this was a Pilsner that actually was in a giant vat behind uh, the taps and was gravity poured into my glass. Uh, and I remember it being great, but my uh, comment that I made was, I could drink this beer all day. Damn, good beer. Uh, so those two beers were absolutely excellent. Um, yeah, and those are my number number three beers of the year. Chris. Chris? Uh, my number three is something akin to what you guys drank at the beginning of the show. Uh, because my number three was the Toast Du Jour from Sideward Brewing. And this was a pastry stout sitting at 11% ABV from Sideward Brewing here in Orlando, Florida. Um, and this was an imperial stout brewed with maple, cinnamon, and vanilla. But then it was aged in bourbon barrels for 16 months. Uh, shout out to the Untapped app for letting me know all of my beer stats for the past year, it makes doing this kind of stuff a lot easier. Uh, when I checked into this beer as like a five out of five, my uncle, who also uses it on tapped, my uncle, my mom, guys, I think I have an awesome family because they all drink craft beer and are nerds. Um, my uncle's like a 5.0, that's rare. And like my comment back to him was like, yeah, like this brewery's great. Next time you come to Florida, like, we're coming here. Um, everything I think you wanted out of your French toast beer, John, came in the toast du jour, but now aged in bourbon barrels. Uh, because, you know, that's just what Sideward does. Like, my favorite brewery in Florida, um, we'll talk about that in our look forward maybe um but yeah that's my my number three john uh yeah my number two uh is actually a french toast beer uh and this is french toast apple brandy wangadoodle from the vale brewing company this is an imperial chocolate milk stout aged in uh large apple brandy barrels for 26 months Conditioned on grade A maple syrup, Vietnamese cinnamon, and plump Madagascar vanilla beans. It tastes like French toast smothered in apple brandy barrel maple syrup. And boy, it did. Uh, when I had this um, right after Thanksgiving, we drove down to Virginia right after Thanksgiving. And when I had this, I texted you guys a picture of it. It was like, this beer is fantastic. Uh, I gave it four and a Four and a half stars. Um, and it is 
absolutely delicious. The French toast, it tasted like um, cinnamon, uh, cinnamon toast crunch with a wonderful stout and an apple brandiness to it. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it was, if it wasn't $40 for a 16 ounce bottle, <laughs> I would have bought a bottle to bring home, oh, but damn. I, but I spent, uh, $8 on a, um, I think like an eight ounce pour of it and it was more than enough, but it was absolutely, uh, delicious. Paul, your number two? My number two is uh, a special release um, fundraiser beer from Big Ditch Brewing here in Buffalo, New York, to commemorate the oldest consecutively run foot race in the world. And that is the Turkey Trot here in Buffalo, New York, uh, the YMCA Turkey Trot. And the beer is the Turkey Trotter. It's a blonde ale. It's 4.7% alcohol by volume. Uh, I've been participating in the Turkey Trot for five, six years now. Um, And it's cool that we now have a like a go to beer uh, for this uh, that also raises money for the YMCA. Um, I'm wearing the shirt from last one that I did. Um, I was able to participate in the 125th Turkey Trot. They did not cancel it. I was one of the 125 during COVID during 2020 to run in it. And uh, that's what clinched us here in Buffalo, the oldest consecutively run foot race uh, away from the Boston Marathon. So because the Boston Marathon canceled like a bunch of whips. (laughs) Shouldn't say that because, you know, they also had horrible things happen there. Yeah. Um. (laughs) But they didn't cancel that race like because that happened afterwards at the finish line. But um yeah, no, COVID didn't shut us down. Like we just they just modified the race and like the amount of participants. Uh this race was awesome. It started because two people got drunk the day before like Thanksgiving and bet each other that they could outrun each other and met up in the morning and then ran a race. And then it grew year after year after year. And 128 years later, we're still doing this stupid thing. <laughs> because, you know, why not? Why not? Uh, and now we got a beer. And the Blondale's good. It's decent. It's great for an after after run. It's a good beer to drink after mowing the lawn. It's like, it's light. It's refreshing. Uh, it's one of those beers that made me realize that, oh, yeah, I like Blondale's. It's the golden nails I like. Blonde nails I like. So. Oh, golden nails are so good. Blonde. When I have a good blonde ale, I'm like, okay, like golden yeah. nails. Like I feel like that's just a great style. I I also wanted to pick this one to talk about the turkey trot and two and two because it is a beer that came out in 2022. Like it did not exist until this year. <laughs> Who goes next? Me. Yeah, Chris, did you do number two? two? Uh, My number two. Uh, This is coming from a brewery that we've actually all been to in Tampa, Florida. Uh, But unlike some of the beers that come out from there, I was not able to get this at my local beer store. And this is 
coming from Hidden Springs Ale Works in Tampa, Florida. And this was their Unearthly Temptations. Uh, this was one of the only other beers that I put at a 5 out of 5 on Untapped. And I have this at STP, a.k.a. Sloppy Taco Palace, here <laughs> in Orlando, Florida. Um, STP is something of a local hole-in-the-wall like legend. Um, think Pizza Plant, except less people know about it. Um, this okay. is a like dive bar slash street taco restaurant around the corner from where I used to live, uh, down the street from Universal Studios. And this is somewhere that when people get out of work at Universal, they just go to get a beer, tacos, and then they go home. Um, but they also have like a very extensive craft beer cooler or tap list where you can just like get weird random stuff. Uh, and then you can get tacos served with tater tots. SDP is one of my favorite places to go. And next time you're both down here, I think it's somewhere that we just go stop at, get tacos, get some fucking random beer, and then we move on to the next place. Because uh, SDP is fantastic. Like, it's amazing. Like, I'm not trying to hype it up, but it's like your, your taco platter is like $6, and then you get some beer that you're not going to find anywhere else for $4 for the can. Like, it's cool. Uh, but Earthly Temptations. I'm in Orlando. It's not that far away from Tampa. I did not see this beer anywhere over here until I went into uh, Sloppy Taco Palace. Got a can of it. It is a milk stout brewed with peanut butter. Uh, circling back to beers you guys also had earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I do not remember the exact moment that I had this beer, but something about it spoke to me that when I did have it, I had to put it at the five out of five. Uh, that's going to us into our number one beers then, because, man, I guess I haven't talked enough, but Paul, my number one is going to be be a beer that I feel like you could talk about as well. Yes, I believe so. Because coming I from Cyber on my list, Brewing, Beer with Chris uh, by Pool. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. I didn't write that down, but that's what's written down in my head because this is going to be the Dear Loud. Dear uh, Loud, that's the name of it. And it's Dear, D-E-A-R, Loud, L-A-W-D. And this is the third anniversary blend coming from Sideward Brewing here in Orlando. And this is a 12-month apple brandy barrel-aged imperial stout uh, blended with a 19-month bourbon barrel-aged barley wine and their house mead from a local meadery uh, blended together. by the pool. We drank yeah. this by the pool at Universal <laughs> Studios' Cabana Bay Resort. Um, and this was a beer, like, as we were drinking it, like, in that hot Orlando sun, like, sheltered by the umbrella next to a functioning lazy river, because at that day, it was still working. Only day. Only day it worked while you were here. Um, this was a beer that I had picked up, and we drank it together, which ultimately, even if it wasn't that great of a beer, would have elevated it up, because a beer shared with friends is 
always going to be better than a beer not shared. Um, but it was also really good, which is yeah. what cements it. it you know, I was really trying to think of like what was the beer to talk about from that trip, and I was like, oh, that that like place that we went to that like apparently just cleared out of all the people going to the soccer game. Oh, uh, Broken Strings. Broken Strings. Like those beers were good, but for whatever. But that dear lot, that dear Lord, Lord, loud. Like dear that was so loud. good. You got a bottle. Dude, loud. You got a bottle of it. I got a bottle of it. And I think we both went through. You, you we went through your bottle first, and then I we went through my bottle second. Like just hanging out together, uh, elevated that beer, and it was such a good beer. It was just like. It was hitting just right. Sweet, tangy. <laughs> no, everything about uh, that beer doesn't sound like something you would want to drink mm-hmm. sitting out in the hot summer sun next to a pool. But something about it, it could have just been that, hey, we're getting to hang out together, <laughs> talking about beer, like significant others there, like with their pool floaties ready to jump in, like Lazy <laughs> River, like. 20 feet away from us. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. And that's something that Sideward does extremely well. Like uh, back a couple months ago when they had their night market for Krampus Knocked, they had their Land of Shadows. Uh, which was, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, uh, I thought you guys were doing a Tic Tac dance. I don't know. Sideward does their hey, we're taking this beer, aging it, blending it with something else. Special event, like anniversary and whatever, birthday beers, extremely well. Um, And I think this is a prime example of it, that even if I hadn't checked untapped for seeing what my top beers of the year were, this would have been on the list because I got to drink it with my friend. Who's, uh, who's looking at something else? Because apparently I was looking it didn't at mean the saber score. Sorry, no, no. I said it meant everything to me. It was great. That's the reason why it's number one. It was a great beer, but sharing that experience with you, Chris, is what elevated it to my number one beer. Oh uh, yeah, uh, and my number one beer is uh, Big Hoppy from Lawson's Finest Liquids. This is their Black IPA. Uh, black IPAs mm-hmm. are one of my favorite styles. You can't find them anywhere, and when you get one that just uh, is absolutely delicious, uh, it goes up there. Like I gave this five stars. This black IPA will probably be the one that I will put in my top five favorite top five favorite beers of all time right now. Um, it definitely replaces the 14th anniversary from Ithaca one because that was so many 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 years ago um that we had that but we loved that for years because we kept going back to it and we're like yeah still good (laughs) i still have a bottle of 15 in the fridge that might explode or was that 16 (laughs) that (laughs) open it in the backyard (laughs) (laughs) when when yanni comes up well do a celebration we'll saber it see what happens um but yeah, this is just one of those just really, really good beers. I think it's something you've, I don't like, I've had it since then. Cause I bought a couple of them. Uh, I shared one with Paul 
it's lost a little of its luster. Uh, I think it's still very good at what I gave to Paul, um, but it is just one of those just really, really good black IPAs. Cascadian Dark Ale. It was very good. Um, I remember getting a Cascadian uh, Dark Ale over at um, was in Rochester. There's a hot dogs place that also Rock Brewing do that really good Cascadian Dark Ale. I believe the one that you gave me from Lawson's was better, but I was like, oh man, that when I had that in Rochester during our my trip during 2022, um, was it during 2022 that we did it, or is that 2021? Um, my anniversary trip, and we ended up in Rochester, and I went to Rock Brewing, and they had that. Cascading Dark Ale. I was like, oh man, I really want more black IPAs. And then Johnny came through to me for me and uh, and delivered a really, really good one with that big hoppy from Lawson's. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh comics, guys. We're a comic book co- podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, whoa, whoa. I'm springing whoa. something on you, guys, because I'm bringing something different to the table because uh, I, I I seeded it in there while we were talking about other stuff. But guys, I'm introducing something new to the look back, uh, and this is the late to the party. So something from before 2022 that you discovered in that year. They were like, oh, holy crap. If I had known about this in 2020 or 2021, like this would have made my list. Uh, I'll give you guys time to think about it because, again, I'm just bringing this on you. But within the last week, Yanni and I finally sat down and watched Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright. Mm -hmm. And I did not know anything about this movie besides the fact that it was directed by Edgar Wright. And it stars Anna Taylor Joy. And who's also in the menu. That was one of the points that I seeded it in. I was like, oh, get ready. We'll talk about that. Um, I absolutely loved this movie because I went in with no preconceived notions besides the fact that it was an Edgar Wright movie. I love him as a director. I love his style. I love what he brings to the table. And it was so different from anything else that I've seen him do that I came out of it just absolutely loving it and it kind of made me be like oh maybe i should watch more stuff with anna taylor joy because i really liked her in this movie so that's when i was like oh well i've seen previews for the menu which looks awesome and also ray finds is in it so like it's probably going to be really cool but then i was like oh maybe i should watch the the vivich because she's in that and that looked really cool uh so that's that's my late to the party pick for 2022 because I slept on last night in Soho. Well, no, you don't listen to your friend John because th- that was one of my look forward movies. For if that came out in 2022 or 2021, came out in 2021. It was my it was my look forward pick because I was excited about that. And it is a really good movie. It's really twisty and oh, it's it's super weird when she starts like seeing like the ghosts of like the men like chasing her around the city. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I again, late to the party. This movie's been out for two years now. Don't want to dwell on it, but like, man, if I could talk to myself, I'd be like, no, definitely watch this. Uh, I got a late to at the party. Uh, you know, we've we've gone, John. You've been down there, and I've been down there, and we've been down there as a as a whole group. And uh, to visit Chris, and we've been to Universal Studios Orlando, Florida, and also the Islands of Adventure. And there was a ride that opened up that I was nervous to ride, and I skipped it. I didn't want to ride it because I was too nervous about it, because there was a drop that I knew that was going to be in there, and I didn't want to ride it. And uh, so I skipped it. Like, wait, I didn't get in line for it, didn't do it. Um, And this time that I went down to visit Chris, I said, okay, I'm doing it. And that's Hagrid's Motorbike Adventures. Hagrid's Magical Mystical Creature Motorbike Adventures. Hagrid's Motorbike Magical Creatures Adventures. All those words exist in the actual title. Yes, Paul. Scratch it, reverse it, rearrange it. You'll figure it out. That ride was amazing. It's a really good uh, coaster hybrid coaster storytelling coaster uh, a lot of fun oh look it's a unicorn it's it's a very fast ride too like uh not fast but like i think the duration of the ride is short it, it, it feels short but i only wrote, wrote one time a lot of fun i feel like i'm late to the party on that and also uh kate and i went to uh magic kingdom and i you know chris brought me on to Big Thunder Mountain the first time. And then ever since then, I was nervous to ride it again. I rode it twice. Wait, really? With Kate. Yes. I and feel that, like that was our roller coaster. That was like the thing that you're like, oh, I don't like roller coasters. I can yeah. do Big Thunder because we've gone on that multiple times. Yeah, you and me, we went on it the one time. And I'm like, okay, that's fun. And then I was kind of nervous to go back on again. Just because like, if like, it's so weird. Like, you know, anxiety. It's weird. Like, what will trigger it? What won't? Like, once it's triggered, it's over. Like, you can't, you know, it's really hard to get out of. But, man, like, Road Big Thunder Mountain twice, and that might be my favorite ride at Magic Kingdom. It's a lot of fun. It's just got the the little hills. I never feel like I'm falling. But it gives you that sensation of, like, of acceleration, but without the drop. Uh, Paul, one of my favorite moments, like being on that ride, is with you because when we went out, like in 2012, yeah, whenever it was, like we were on it. It was a 10 year anniversary. Was 2022. (laughs) We went on it at night, and it Uh happened to be like when they were shooting off the fireworks. So like the park was dark. And, like, we went up and, like, we were at the apex of that ride. Like, and when you look out to your right, like, you can see, like, the rest of Magic Kingdom, mm-hmm. like, where people are, like, sitting down waiting for the fireworks to start. Like, like things are, like, shooting off. Like, you're seeing all these lights. And I'm like, oh, this park's beautiful. And it's like, wee Because, like, after that, like, you go down to, like, the dip. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great ride. It's a lot of fun. So those are the two things that I feel like. Uh, I, because I'm not a big fan of falling, I want to say, hey, those two rides, I think y- you can ride and like not feel horrible about and don't get don't get anxious about it. John, 
So uh, I'm going to tie this into uh, my number three comics uh, for the look back. Uh, And this is something I've picked it up in trade a couple years ago, started reading it, couldn't quite get into it. But my son started watching a Netflix cartoon based off of this comic book that actually follows the main character of the comic book's grandson in the future. Uh, And this is Usagi Yojimbo. Uh, After he watched the cartoon and loved it, he actually would pull his hair up and we'd tie it and he'd say he has bunny ears and that he was Usagi. Um, I bought him samurai swords. I spent $30 to buy him Usagi Yojimbo NECA figure for uh christmas that was extremely limited edition and that's uh, when he realized that hey he's four <laughs> four but i love playing with it okay. uh, because i love this comic book started buying the new issues but the fun thing was to go into the comic book store i have has back issues and i he'd sit he'd kneel next to me because it's on the bottom shelf and we'd thumb through issues, and he'd want one. And I'd be like, well, that's $7, buddy. We're not going to spend $7 on a back issue. And we would pick up these random issues. And I'd, we'd sit and read them. And I fell in love with the character. I fell in love with this world. And it's something like I have, like, uh, I have, like, almost like an omnibus trade digitally. But I've been starting to buy hardback editions just to sit and read with him. Um, and I, I, I love the book. I think it's one of the one of my favorite books um, almost of all time. And there's one of the his arch villain, which is Jay, who's this priest who's possessed by a demon who wants to kill anything and everything. And Usagi Yojimbo, man, Samurai Ronin Bunny is fantastic. I slept. I slept on it. And croak. I think we lost. And croak. <laughs> yeah. We did lose Chris again. He's so. Pu- he just uh, looks so angry. Uh, at what I was saying. Okay. Oh, you're. Can there? you hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you now. Uh, did I ahead. freeze again? Yeah. yeah your, fro- your video froze again, uh, but that's I'm okay. Sorry. Because you sprung that on us. <laughs> and now I, I didn't mean to spring it on you, but that was. That's part of the game, baby. We're doing a podcast, and some of it has to just be like, hey, here's something that's fun. And I realize, like, over the years, there's things that we we miss <laughs> or maybe we want to talk about that we just don't get to. And that, that's why I was like, hey, you know what? Late to the party because this is something oh, that I probably another, should have liked. Another thing, zombies from uh, Disney Plus. But I talked about that quite a bit this year. So, no. <laughs> this is your Christmas pick. <laughs> yeah. All right, but we are a comic book podcast, so let's wrap it up with our our comics from the year. Where did Nightwing fall for you guys? Mm. I'm just going to ask because it has... Uh, Nightwing's my list, number right? three. Okay, number three, number three. Uh, John? Uh, didn't didn't land on this. Oh, that's okay. Okay, okay. okay. so... Well, it was on my pick list? last year. I wanted to do new books. Mm, okay. I wanted to to as well, but you know, 
while you're building those things happening. Uh, Paul, Nightwing for you. Nightwing is, it just feels like uh, a lot of these books, it's, I'm going to keep on saying this phrase, it feels like coming home. It just like, it's a fun take on Nightwing again. He gets a dog <laughs> this year, like that, that gets named. He's just, it's, it's just everything I want from that a Nightwing series. It's, it's not bogged down, but it's it has weight to it, but it moves the story forward, but retains a quality that is just lighthearted and fun. So yeah, it's it's not bogged down by what came before, but it feels so nostalgic and mm-hmm. reverent for everything that happened before that. It's very reminiscent of Nightwing when. Like. We got into reading it early 2000s where it's like, this is a character that we like. We know what happened and you start reading. It's like, yes, it's paying homage to all that. Like it's calling back to all of that. And that's what this Tom Taylor Nightwing has, because. It's like you took Nightwing, who's been a marquee character for DC Comics for the last like. 20 years because like it seems like Nightwing's always being written by people that know how much Nightwing matters and how important he is but this series feels like all of that taken put into a pot and they just make like a delightful Nightwing stew or like they're throwing like him into a pan like making a roux of Nightwing like it's just it's Nightwing and it's working and that um, annual where it's uh, Nightwing teaming up with his dog Haley, aka Bitewing, to like overthrow a villain. Like, there's so much fun to this book. And when you're talking about Nightwing, I feel like he's a character more than anyone that should have that kind of lightness to him. Uh, Tom Taylor's nailing it. Like, it's it has that. Uh, I'm I'm sad that's my number three, only because I liked my number two and number one for other reasons more. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, Chris, last year it was both of our number ones, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And for everything you guys were just saying, um, it feels like the writer of this series read and fell in love with Nightwing the same way we did back in the early 2000s and then has been slightly disappointed for years with their Nightwing books that he was like, I, I got to do it. I got to bring it. I got to bring it back. And, and he does that. Uh, there's a reason I named my son Grayson. Like one of my favorite superheroes is Nightwing. So yeah, it's a great series. Three. So three for you, John. Is that a nice house on the lake? Was, uh, thank you. No, it was Usagi Yojimbo. Oh, Usagi. So I, what's I your number two? Together. My number two is actually DC versus Vampires hmm. Hunters. Number wow. one. Just that one issue. Just that one issue. I had. I, I did I dig had, it. Oh, I really loved reading it, but I loved talking to you guys about it um because we all had fun with it maybe paul a little less but chris and i 
really loved it and loved just throwing out lines to each other about it. Um, and yeah, it's that thing that I, it stayed relevant in my mind because it was always on my desk. Um, where we record the podcast, it was always just sitting there on it. And I'd always look at it and be like, yeah, that's a fun book. I just really enjoyed it. Made me want to read DC versus vampires, which I continue to pick up every spinoff of that, but not the actual series itself. Mine is uh, also based off of number one, and that is star girl and the lost children. Number one, because that's Jeff Johns coming home again. Uh, I, I just really liked him like tackling the the character of Courtney Whitmore. Uh, Courtney, oh my goodness, why? Yeah, you had a Whitmore. Yeah, Whitmore. Is it Whitmore? Okay. Yeah, why did you doubt yourself? Just doubt myself. Um, I, you Courtney Whitmore, Paul, Star Girl. Paul, this whole show, all 508 episodes, intervention. Don't doubt yourself, bud. Don't doubt myself. Uh, it's him coming back to this character, and it is slightly different than how he used to write her. She is, again, now younger again, back in high school with the whole family dynamic. Um, but it's great. Uh, really enjoyed it. Excited to see what happens next. Only issue two did come out. Uh, issue three will be coming out this month. Uh, I think maybe even next week uh, or, you know, this Wednesday. But yeah, uh, excited to see where this goes. Happy that it started in 2022. Uh, and then all of our number one, right? Can we all just? Yeah, I need to do my he number two. Needs to do his number two, and then we'll oh, all talk sorry. about world's finest. It's fine because no, number two is world's finest for me. Wow! Oh, wow! Oh, it's because talk I have about a book coming I talk home. About. Mark Wade coming home to DC. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, no, Chris. Why is it uh, only your number two? Uh, it's my number two because it's an ongoing, and we've talked about it multiple times for the list for Weekend Geek, like trade and policy. Uh, I was struggling to find trade a look policy, back like, for the trade policy. You guys were like, no, no, we bought all the issues. It's fine. We'll just do that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, sounds good. We've talked about this book so much over the years that I knew it was something I needed to put on my list because I love this book and I preface it off even in the list because I'm looking forward to number 11 coming out. Like Mark Wade is giving a masterclass, not just on Batman and Superman, but how you write just great reverent and referential superhero comics. And while you're reading this book, it's leading into other books and other events and, everything else that's going to be coming out from DC comics. And that's, that's amazing. Like it is a good read. Mm-hmm. It's not just setting stuff up. Like it's enjoyable. It feels yep. like it's not tied into anything, but if you, but also somehow tied into everything at the same time, like they give you, he does a great job. And I talked about it when we did the trade and policy, how he's able to, include continuity that feels real to the story at hand without feeling bogged down with all the continuity. Oh, Robin and Supergirl are fighting. They're not getting along. Why? Oh, because 
it seems like in their dialogue like lets you know it seems like they went on a bad date together and it was rough and oh solicitations that's like issue number like 14 of the series like they're gonna focus on that i'm super excited for it uh john what what why is this here number one because it should be oh i i think you nailed what i would say 100 percent, and i think um what you said where it doesn't feel tied into everything yet it does have that feeling that it's part of everything <laughs> i think is definitely like 100 percent true with this book like I don't think I need to say anything else because you said it all for me, Paul, like hundred um, percent. Just same wavelength on this book. Um, as we all have been, we've been gushing about this book for a year. You know, <laughs> like, well, we're almost all on the same wavelength because uh, Chris has a book that he thinks is I'm an outlier, baby. This is black Swan. Nope. Uh, no, it's his magic. It's that magic book. It's not, oh. it's not, it's a book I've talked about before. And I think I talked about it on our look forward to 2022. Is, is it Archie? Oh. Not an Archie book, okay. No, I don't know. Oh, There's no other comic books. What? Gargoyles. <laughs> there, there is another comic book. But are you, are you guys done talking about your? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number one for the year, and it's because I didn't realize it was ending because it was only actually a limited series. And this is Seven Secrets. Oh, okay. I can see um, that being near number one. This series actually wrapped up, I think, in like February or March of 2022. And it gutted me when it ended because I picked one of the issues for the list. And then I didn't realize like the next one was actually the finale because it was coming to an end. Um very much in the line of something like uh, Saga from Brian K. Vaughn. Tom Taylor's Seven Secrets is telling just this massive world-altering story. Uh, very sci-fi, very like fantasy. Seven Secrets came to an end way too soon. And it was my favorite book from last year. And I came into this year expecting more from it. And the more I was expecting was, I don't want to say cut short, but it ended and I wasn't ready for it to end. And it was a book that once it did come to a close, I was like, that worked as an ending. But man, I, I wish it didn't end. I wish there was more of it. And they do leave it open for more down the road. Who knows if or when it'll ever happen, but I have to put Seven Secrets as my number one because this whole series, absolutely fantastic. Written by Tom Taylor, art by uh, Daniel DiNiculo. If you're a fan of Saga, check this book out because it's a book told in the past tense where everything has weight, everything has meaning, and you see it play out over the length of the whole story. Um, so it's, written, it's the final issue written by Brian K. Vaughn? No, but... Uh, it's if the it final was, issue I would written not by have been Brian Michael Bendis. No, no, no. Um, I love this series. I'm going to be forever waiting for 
Seven Secrets Glorious Return, new number one. I'm there. You, you already have my subscription. Just just announce it, guys. I'm I'm there for it. Well, that's no secret. And I hope you guys don't keep this podcast a secret. Uh, rate us and review us wherever you listen to our show. If you want to tell us what the best of 2022 was, please do email us at bagnaboardcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the Instagrams, the other social things. Yeah. Facebook. Let us know maybe. over there, too. When um, Chris puts up the, uh, the episode of oh, yeah. um, work, uh, put your list on there. We'd love to see it. There was a lot of really good stuff in 2022, guys. I'm so excited for 2023. And we can be late to the party for that, too. <laughs> I probably will be. There's too much content. 